Hey there, Squares. We want to wish you all a very happy holiday and happy new year. It's the last episode of our uh, first season, and uh, we didn't get a chance to uh, chat about it. We were too embroiled in our awesome conversation to uh, make the time for this, but I wanted to make sure that we squoze in this very special treat. We have a letter from uh, from past and future uh, host Chris, so let's get right to it. Dear listeners, hell, my friends, you're not just listeners. Recently, I've been thinking quite a lot about underappreciated classics of the DOS persuasion. I've been thinking about the oft-bitched-about and rarely-saluted Quest for Glory 3. I can almost guarantee this is the order of preference uh, most already have popping up in their minds. Number one, Quest for Glory 4. Number two, Quest for Glory 2. Number three, Quest for Glory 1. Number four, Quest for Glory 5. And number five, Quest for Glory 3. And I can tell you right now, You've missed out. Why? Because how many games can you name set in a fictional image of Kenya? Sure, Quest for Glory 3 has its share of annoying combat and bugs, but don't let that detract from the amazing setting. The soundtrack is a wild interpretation of African music meets 70s psychedelics. The color palette blows 95% of VGA 256 games out of the water. And the music sounds great on a sound blaster, ad-lib, and general MIDI synth. But for me, the game recently brought back some memories when I made a new friend at work who grew up in rural Kenya. He taught me some of the common Swahili phrases, and sure enough, they were identical to the ones I learned in Wages of War. And if you can believe it, the tribal village minigame called Awari, or Owari, which I was insanely addicted to as a 13-year-old, is identical to a game he grew up playing in his Kenyan village. So set... So set your blaster on A220I5D1 and get ready to travel to Frizana. Oh, um, Mzuri Buana, Chris. P.S. For anyone interested, I've been writing a collection of memoirs. I'm tentatively calling Dos Days. It's in the si- it's the style similar of a similar book called Commodork, which I've sang the virtues of many times. I'm just completing the first chapter of Dust Days, and I can't wait to share it with y'all. Thank you very much, Chris, and on with the show. Hello, Square and Squareettes. <laughs> welcome to another pod. Uh, welcome to another Square Waves FM podcast. Today is episode number 45, and this will be our last episode for 2015. Yay! We're sick of you. Well, you're probably sick of us more than anything. So this will give you a chance to catch up when we come back in January. And as you probably know, we will most likely be attempting a new format starting January. Why would they know? Because you tweeted that you might, oh, that we might do it. I did? Yeah. Oh, well. Yes, I mean, anyway, before we talk about that, why don't we introduce our guest so that he doesn't have to pretend he's not here until we summon him verbally with our with our magic words. I'm not here. <laughs> oh, spooky. Yeah. That, that is the uh, tones of our very good friend, Joe Mastriani. Say hello, Mr. Joe. Hello, Mr. Joe. <laughs> oh. uh, of umbo, as we like to call it, or upper memory block. Umbo is yes, the, the umbo. The umbo is, umbo is that that round uh, UMB pin he <laughs> gave you. Yeah, I don't know. I look like look like umbo to me in my moment of dyslexia. Uh-huh. Should we? <laughs> I can see it. Should we introduce our birds as guests this time, since they seem to be participating in this verbal thing? True. And I think and, the birds are the hosts. Actually, you yeah. guys just show up. I think you're right. Yeah. So 
if uh, you occasionally hear these guys chime in, we've got uh, two lovely little budgery guys by the name of Maximilian Galactica and Apollo. Yeah, hi guys. Say hi. Of course not. Now they're quiet. <laughs> now I get it. There you go. Yeah. Awesome. Glad to have you here, uh, Joe. It's your, your third or fourth time on the show, is it not? Something like that, I think. Probably third. Anyways. Whatever. I've, I've been around. You've People been around? Mikasa Sukasa. Good to have you back. Um, Why are you looking at my notes? You're in your notes. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Oh, we forgot to you forgot to introduce Kimmy. Oh, yeah. And the uh, progenitor of the beat is Kimmy, who you just heard in the background as well. Yeah, that's right. Apparently, the source of Bianca's beep is uh, speaking bird ease. Although uh, it dawned on me the other day that uh, the uh, internal PC speaker, also known as the beeper, uh, operates in square waves. It makes square wave uh, uh, waveform noises. That is true. So beep can be the international greeting of the the square. What do we call the wavers? The squares? It's squares? Squares and squares. Squares. Can you tell the guys remind me what show I'm on? Thanks. Beep. Beep. <laughs> um, all right. So, yeah. So, as Bianca was mentioning, we're going to, at the end of this season, uh, starting with next season, we're thinking we're going to, like, split up this ridiculously long show into, like, two shows. We'll do kind of our otherwise pre-show, preamble, tech talk kind of stuff one week, and then we'll go to a topic the next week. And hopefully that'll be uh, a little bit more easygoing on the listeners who get more and more... Uh, uh, further behind over uh, over time, understandably so, and um, more kind to our uh, guests that are so kind to come onto the show as well. Maybe they're less interested in uh, in the tech talk than they are in the topic that we ask them to participate in. So we're going to shoot. Me. I think not you. Yeah. Well, we won't pull any punches this week then. Um, so we'll, I think we'll probably shoot for like two hours or something in the future at, at, uh, on the high end. But uh, we'll see how it goes. We're a couple of blabbermouths, right? Yes, we are. Yeah. Well, that being said, let's start off with a bit of tech talk. Um, I got something really cool in the mail this week. I got a wireless sensor dolphin bar, which sounds like <laughs> that some... sounds very interesting. Yeah, I know. It sounds like some kind of like ichthyologist scratching post kind of a thing. <laughs> what it is is uh, um, it is a sensor bar that plugs in via USB and also has a Bluetooth adapter, uh, Bluetooth receiver. It is specifically for using a Wiimote on your PC. Oh. You can have up to four Wiimotes controlling on your PC. So there's a, a GameCube and Wii emulator called Dolphin, thus the name of the Dolphin Bar. And it uh, supports, um, it supports uh, real Wiimotes if you have the hardware for it. So apparently um, Wiimotes just operate in regular uh, Bluetooth pro wireless protocol. And you can use any Bluetooth receiver with them. And that is good enough for you to uh, control the accelerometer and button presses and uh, the directional pad and stuff like that. It's good enough for everything except for uh, pointing it at your screen and having the cursor appear where you're pointing it. For right, that whole IR contraption. That's right. For that, you need a sensor bar, which is basically just two infrared LEDs that point out at you. They don't transmit any, that doesn't transmit any data. It just is two LEDs that are the correct space apart from each other. And they're either above or below your monitor. So uh, rather than have to get two peripherals, there, there are um, wireless IR bars um, because usually the wired uh, infrared bars, uh, the sensor bars plug into the Wii's proprietary uh, plug size. And if you want one for your computer, you would have to get a battery operated one. And wherever possible, I try to 
get hardware that doesn't take batteries. It's just more ecologically friendly, I think. And that's a horrible hassle. Also a horrible hassle. That's right. Yeah, I have memory. Uh, Bianca and I walked into a game store the other day who did not sell the original Wiimote, unfortunately. So all we have our all we could find was one filthy one from when the Wii was new, and we did plenty of uh, Wii sports and exercising and stuff with it. So it's kind of full of our our, our fudge. <laughs> <laughs> Mostly yours. Mostly. You're, the, you're the slimy, uh, sweaty one. Yeah, I suppose so. Well, we both used Wii Fitness for the balance board a bunch, but I was the only one who used Wii Sports for the jogging thing, which I really enjoyed. It was awesome, kind of jogging and holding the Wii in your hand, and your guy on screen jogs, and you have scenery and. You like you see other uh, characters walk, running around and waving to you and stuff while you're running around this pretty little. Uh, That's funny. I have like no scene. memory of the jogging one. I had a, actually my my parents have my my Wii right now. Mm. Well, actually, it was on Wii Fit that there was the jogging segment. Oh, Wii Sports that didn't have it. My okay. bad. I had Wii Fit too, but yeah, I guess I didn't do that part. I never used Wii Fit very much, even though I had it. We had Wii Fit. It was pretty good. It had a whole yoga section, and it uh, let you keep individual profiles and keep track of any progress. We did it for several months, and it was cool that the Wii Balance Board acted as a uh, uh, scale as well. So it's was, basically just two differential like weight sensors, isn't it? Effectively, yes. I think is it two or four? Because it also knows. It when might you're be leaning, four. Yeah. yeah, it knows when you're leaning forward and backward. I know. And you remember we weighed the cat. It actually <laughs> had a, it had a pet mode where you could stand on the balance board without your pet, and then with your pet, and then the difference would be whatever your pet weighs. And ah, uh, so it does that. We, we do that just manually. Uh, yeah, we we tried putting the pet on the. We put our cat on the balance board. Number one, she didn't stay there. Number two, she wasn't enough of a minimum weight to register. So it says that's how you do it. Yeah, mm. I'd love to weigh our birds, but that would never work. Mm. So if this, you get them to stay, you can put them on a kitchen scale. Yeah, that's true. True. Well, we know that mm. one of them's uh, 31 grams. The other one's 36. Oh, our birds, you mean, not yeah. our cat. Oh, our cat weighs <laughs> about five pounds or so. I thought she, I don't remember how much the cat weighed. You know, our budgies are a good, healthy weight, especially our youngest one who's talking right now. She's a, a humongous budgie. Yeah. So this Wee Dolphin Bar thingy, it, uh, the Wee, what is it? Mayflash is the name of the company that makes the Dolphin Bar. I had a little trouble getting it set up at first. All it comes with is a CD, a little, one of those little miniature sized CDs. I oh, think yeah. they hold like 100 megabytes or something. They go in the inner tray of the Yeah, the CD-ROM drive. That's right. And it had a little quick getting started guide, which was not very uh, articulate or, or made a lot of sense. So I had to, first I tried a few things through trial and error and I couldn't get that really to work. Although I did by myself figure out how to use the Wiimote as a Windows cursor, which is kind of ridiculous, but it works. Yeah, wholly pointless since it's as slow as this. It, well, it was, it was kind of neat because you can use the uh, – it has like the NES style uh, two-axis like plus sign controller and that works as a scroll wheel or you can scroll oh, up, cool. down and lift and right. So that's oh, yeah, I can see the advantage if you had like a home theater PC. Like at your desk, it's, it's silly. Yeah, that's a good point actually. The cursor itself was not very precise. It kind of jiggles around a lot. Just because your hand your hand jiggles, especially when it's kind of floating in midair versus. I wonder if there's like a dead zone you could set to kind of make um, it less sensitive. That is apparently a feature of the of this brand of sensor bar. It kind of filters out a little bit if you're on the mouse cursor mode, but not uh, enough. Because I guess there's that uh, you need the sweet spot between getting rid of your natural men jiggles and uh, <laughs> and uh, still having fine control. What are you doing, woman? Bianca has a seed bell on a stick in her mouth with a budgie attacking her nose. 
I don't see this as a strategy for success, dear. <laughs> okay, next season, video version. Oh, show. man. Yeah, right. You can see our disfigured... <laughs> that was the youngest one faces. doing it, too. The youngest one just bit my nose. Yeah, she's a biter. Um, so, Sensor Bar, I had to do a bunch of research online. It took me about half an hour, but I did get it working. Um, it seems to have, like, an optimal distance from it. If you're too, cl- if you're too close to your PC... Then doesn't pick the, it up. Really well, the point, yeah, the pointer doesn't work quite so well, and there's like dead zones around around the edges where it has trouble seeing the edges. But if you wheel your chair a little bit back, then it works very, very well. Cool. And one thing I had to worry about a little bit was, um, or to adjust a little bit was, um, I have it sitting on top of my monitor, and the bezel sort of is angled a little bit, so it was pointing the sensor bar up a little bit too far, so it was not catching the very bottom of it. So I had to. Make some little adjustments, but it works very, very well. And Wii games, Wii games are only for like standard definition televisions, so it's really, really nice to see it at uh, 1080p. Mm-hmm. Oh, so the uh, emulator up, up reses, upscales. Yeah, it does. You can add like shader effects if you want to. You can have anti-aliasing. You can upscale the polygons, but not the textures. But the textures are so well designed, especially in the Nintendo games, that it, you hardly even notice unless there's an extreme close up it's really fun playing this stuff yeah cool so i've actually been in kind of the mood to take my wii back from my parents because i gave it to them so they could watch netflix and now they have like you know a a roku and a smart tv and all that stuff because my wife has been saying oh i i'll play mario with you and i'm like okay well i could grab you know get some old mario games off of there or Mm -hmm. so yeah who knows yeah well I, i i'm having way more fun with it than i thought i would like when we got our wii at first, which was like a month or so after the big craze, right after they were launched. Yeah, we got it. We got. We had to uh, get uh, someone from Brian's work who is going up north to procure us a copy since there is less than they had more copies up there than they did demand, fortunately. Oh, that was so nice of him, too. This is an old co-worker of mine, Aaron. Yeah. He, I was just chatting with him, telling him how much we wanted a Wii and... Uh, that we couldn't find any. And then when he was up on vacation with his family, he like called me and said, I I found one in a Walmart. It's like $280. Do you want me to pick it up for you? So I said, sure. So he picked it up for me and fronted the money for like a week or whatever. That was so kind of him. Yeah. That was so awesome. Then we met him at a gas station and paid under the table. <laughs> yeah. It's like a drug deal. It was, it was, uh, it looked a lot worse than it was. I'm sure we like went to a gas station and this like big imposing black man drove up in a big imposing black pickup truck and he handed us a, a Walmart bag and we handed him $300 cash and he drove away. <laughs> you got the money? Yeah. You got the stuff? Yeah. That was right. You got the stuff? Literally yeah. it. <laughs> but, uh, and then we spent all weekend jumping around with smiles oh, on and, our faces. And then we so. were like, then you're like, I got Wii Elbow. We had Wii Elbow. We spent the whole weekend playing Wii Sports, basically. And we hurt in places that we didn't know were on our bodies. I could, like, hardly lift my... I could hardly turn my steering wheel. I was so hurty from Wii Tennis and stuff. And Wii Tennis Elbow. So that a lot of that magic kind of came back to me right away as soon as I plugged this thing in. Playing. There is something about it. I mean, I know a lot of people, souls included, hmm. you know, kind of poo-poo motion control and... And all that stuff, but I mean, there is a place for it. I think mm-hmm. you kind of have to be—you uh, have to have some subtlety and restraint about it, but incorporating it into your design. I think um, I, I played a little bit of uh, Mario Galaxy, and I'll talk more about when I t- when I mention what I've been playing this week. But playing some Mario Galaxy, um, it doesn't really use the motion controls too much, but you can do this kind of a twirl jump thing. Or no, it's when you punch someone. You can either punch 
or you do this kind of twirly jump that makes you go a little higher or makes you shoot in through these star things. So that you trigger by, like, wiggling your hand. And so playing it like an ordinary game with a controller in your hand and then, like, doing an actual punch with your hand to make Mario punch, that's just great. And that's the only motion control. And it's like Which a, it seems to accommodate because didn't you say that they watch people uh, play and they would often, when they jump, they would move their hands up with the controller in their yeah, hand? Yeah, right. That was with – I haven't played it yet, but that was with New Mario Brothers. Um where you can jump, I think, by, like, bouncing your hands up. Or you do a special jump by bouncing your hands up. And it used to piss me off. My sister, when she was a little kid and we would play NES together, she would do that. Every time she wanted Mario to jump, she would press the A button, but she would also bounce her hands up and the whole controller up. <laughs> boy, boy. Yeah, it made me want to smack her. But apparently <laughs> Nintendo was taking notes. Yeah. I don't know why. Any, I don't. I never knew anyone who did that, though. I was not. I. I didn't really do it. I knew a few people who did that. I don't know. I went to a lot of friends' houses to play Nintendo. I wouldn't do the jumping stuff, but sometimes I do like the like racing or whatever. You would like go to the lean to the side. Yeah. Or, you know, you really get into it. That's right. Yep, that's right. Oh. Yeah, you're channeling a spit. What the hell is this? Oh, I see. <laughs> They're being cute. I don't know. Oh, birds. So, um, wireless sensor dolphin bar by Mayflash. I'll put a link. I bought it from Amazon. It was like $21 or something. Which oh, that's is, good. It's very reasonable. Unfortunately, the Bluetooth receiver doesn't work for anything but Wiimotes. I don't know if, what the purpose is for that, but I'm imagining that helped to keep the price down. But you can connect up to four Wiimotes at once, which is pretty sweet. So we'll uh, we'll, we'll get another Wiimote. And then you have to buy the Wiimotes themselves, which are pricey. Um, if you get them from Nintendo, they're like 40 or 45 bucks each. And then if you want the Nunchuck Edition thing, they're another 25 or so. Yeah, they really get. You. I mean, but that's about how much. Like a you know a PS4 controller is like seventy five bucks if you if you don't get it on sale. Yeah, it's true. And, and then Brian's like, "Hey, we can get a third party one." I'm like, "No." I'm like, "Fine," but you get to use the bitch controller if you do. <laughs> I'm like, "I'm not using the bitch controller." <laughs> that's right. The only Everyone... one I will ever use is the uh, one I had for Super Nintendo. That was an awesome one. I know Brian hated it, but if I wanted to kick his ass at Mortal Control, I would at Mortal Kombat. I just flip to the middle. And then I could, and then I didn't even have to do anything. I just helped, pretty much just button smash. Oh, to the rapid fire button. Yeah, and, and then if you were utterly undefeatable in Mortal Kombat against your opponent who was using the regular <laughs> controller that came with the SNES. Mm-hmm. You're just like, <laughs> and then the guy's dead. Exactly. Yeah. Like you could, you could, you wouldn't have been able to do any special moves, and I just, and I just uh, took a controller and rubbed it against my face. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Awesome. Uh, yeah. Um, I want to give two, oh yeah, two quick shout outs to listeners. One is to, uh, Chris Olson, who's been on the show a couple of times. Hello, Chris. Hey, Chris. Our, Chris is awesome. He is awesome. The official, uh, the, the official airline of Square Waves Air. And of UMB cast. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> you, you can fly between our podcasts. And, <laughs> there you go. Um, he recommended that I listen to Dave Brubeck's album, Somewhere, which I did, and I enjoyed it a lot. Somewhere. It's a, Jazz album. Ooh, somewhere. Somewhere? Somewhere. <laughs> you seem perplexed by this. Oh, gosh. What have I started? Oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> it was a lot more pleasant to listen to than this podcast is. So thanks, Chris, for that suggestion. I listened to it twice, and it was really easy going. Um, I seem to remember he and I talking somehow about... Oh, right, because he was... He did his last show from uh, Puerto Rico, and we were talking about... Um, 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 West Side Story, which has songs about Puerto Rico. And so there are a couple of songs for West Side Story on this album as well in like cool jazz format. So that was neat. So yeah, Dave Brubeck. Thanks, thanks, Chris, for that suggestion. It was nice. 
I also have on my list here, and I have to add another thing to it too. Shout out to Joe, to you. <laughs> Yay! First of all, you, you're like all full of news relevant, tech news relevant to uh, our family this week. You told us first yeah, I'm about not sure what that is. It just worked out that way. That was great. So you, you let us know about the um, the the uh, Google Play Music Family Plan finally becoming available. I uh, my ears perked up when I heard about that first, and we have Apple to thank for that uh, for for pushing the market for an inexpensive family plan for music streaming. They're the first ones to do the $15 one. So we have that now too. And I uh, extended it to Bianca's dad and to my dad. And I might to my brother-in-law as well. You get up to six people for 15 bucks a month for unlimited music streaming, which is pretty I've awesome. I've got to look into that because my wife and I are both on, individually on Spotify and it's expensive. It is. Mm. So this is, and that's the, and originally what happened was we were both subscribed. I'm like, this is stupid. I'm not usually, I'm not really using this. And I immediately hit the unsubscribe button, turned around and subscribed to Crunchyroll. There you go. Yeah. But it was actually cheaper for me to subscribe to Crunchyroll. It's $7 a month Canadian. Yeah. Their, their library is smaller than other ones, but they have their specialization. Oh, let's see, let's actually, they recently expanded. They have, they've been importing a whole bunch of older anime. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. It's such a back catalog. Oh, they have, they're getting up, they're uh, bringing a whole bunch of the old stuff. Can't wait for them to uh, keep bringing them in. Cause I know they have Rose of Versailles, which is almost impossible to find on any torrent. Oh, that's the one by that artist who did Yutana? And no, she it was the progenitor to Yukana. This is inspired Yukana. Oh, okay. Your style does, but it's not the same artist. Because everybody suffers from a bad case of pointy face. <laughs> it was a style. It's it's the style it's for the seventies. It's so it's beautiful. The seventies style, which kind of morphs into eighties to be with a bit softer lines. In fact, if you lined up seventies, eighties, nineties, and and uh, and the in the O's in the O's and tens, you'll notice that a lot of the lines become much softer. Hmm. Like nineties is still pretty pointed, but they have they have much more they have a lot more softer lines and brighter colors. But I find that, for example, the more recent stuff has very, almost very few has very light lines and very bright vibrant colors. Hmm. It's a little flatter now, isn't it? Less shading, less like creases. And stuff yeah. like that. It's more soft gradients and stuff. Yeah, soft gradients. That's better and more vibrant backgrounds. Mm-hmm. Well, I love the Rose of Versailles. That's was that the one about Marie Antoinette that you watched? Yes. Yeah, that was so beautiful. Mm-hmm. And it's cool hearing French names with Japanese accents too. That's it's really, it's really zany. But yeah, beautiful art style. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't mind if you put that on. I wouldn't watch it, but I'd glance at it and I'd be happy. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have the attention span for long series. Are you an anime guy at all, Joe? I, I was back in the day. I kind of fell out of it just because you can't be an expert in everything. Sure. Yeah, you know, back in like, you know, Ninja Warrior and Neon Genesis Evangelion and mm. you know, that kind of stuff. Robotech. Ah, uh, 90s. Yeah. Yeah, yep. I'm kind of a 90s I got guy. my uh, start then, too. <laughs> yep, I'm a 90, 90s guy, too. I don't think I was into anime until the 2000s, though, perhaps. I don't know, and I wasn't really that into it. I liked a few movies. I didn't care about series. They were just too long. Yeah, and you were still blown away by the fact that I watched the entirety of Yi Huck Show, which was, I think it's 144 episodes, and Ugh. that's the longest one I've watched. That's bonkers. Yeah. and What was that? The Ghost People? Yeah, ghost the, detectives, the po- uh, poltergeist, uh, spirit detective. Mm. 
Mm. And of course, that's not the longest series. The longest is Naruto, and I believe that's verging on 18 seasons. Wow. Yeah, yeah that's like 400 episodes or something, isn't yep, it? Yep, and they have it on Crunchyroll, and it's still it's actually still ongoing. It's being actively translated from recent from uh, current episodes. <laughs> that's impenetrable, man. Yeah, I feel like I, I fell out of it before the whole Naruto mm. kind of stuff. And uh, what's the one with the 9,000? What's it called? <laughs> Uh, Dragon Ball Z. That's it, Dragon Ball Z. Like, I fell out right before all that stuff happened. Yeah, same here. Mm. Until it became cool. Right. right? <laughs> That's us. Um, yeah, so we subscribed to Google Play Music, and you also let us know just last night about this Microsoft OneDrive opt-in thing to keep your bonus storage. Bonus right, storage. I saw that, and because I, I remembered that you were talking about, you know, your displeasure. That was like the biggest rant I've ever had on this show, I think. <laughs> and it really did piss me off so much so that I switched like immediately to Google Drive, and I, although I, I didn't did cry more, and it's quite some more because that's what you do. Maybe I did. I don't know. I was I was pleasantly surprised with Google Drive. It started off really crappy, but they have that desktop sync software where you just it will synchronize a folder on your hard drive with uh, the contents online. It didn't used to have that. They improved the UI a little. OneDrive is still the best, but Google Drive is like 95% as good. So nice. OneDrive is nice because it's it's integrated. Yeah, it's integrated. Well, I guess it's integrated into Windows. I mean... Um, it is now, at least, more so. Well, I looked into it a little bit, and it, the integration is pretty much that, by default, it will run a little memory resonant uh, application corresponding to, like, an icon in your icon tray. It just does that by default. Um and you can add that you can add a Google Drive one and turn off the Microsoft one, and it's not really integrated that much. Oh, and I guess if you open up Explorer, um, in addition like a to your shortcut or whatever, yeah, and it's like a lower hierarchy shortcut. You can add Google Drive to your manual shortcuts, but it's like one tab over, sort of. It's like indented a little bit. So I just added Google Drive to that to that list. So it's it's pretty much the same for me. But I I um. I'm not confident still that I'll get to keep all of my storage. I have like 180 gigabytes or something on OneDrive up from the ordinary five gigabytes, just from all the loyalty bonuses and stuff uh, that I had accrued by using Bing for a couple of years and for uh, using the camera roll and all of these other little promotions that they had. Whenever they threw a little bit of storage at me, I snapped it up. So um, on this opt-in thing, they say that the most popular of these bonuses was a camera roll bonus, or if you install OneDrive on your phone, and you say, yes, back up my photos to OneDrive as I uh, take them, uh, then you get an extra 10 gigabytes of storage. So this opt-in says that one uh, camera roll bonus specifically, and it doesn't say anything about all the other bonuses. So I don't know right, if I... I guess I, that one was, that's probably a, one of the more substantial ones, and that's probably the one that most people were complaining about losing, I guess. I think so. It's the one that most, if, if people had only one, that was the one that they probably had. It was the one that they marketed the most. So if anything, I'll still go down from 180 to 15, and I only get, I think you get 15 on Google Drive to begin with. So, I mean, I won't say no to it, but I've already switched over to Google Drive, and I'm content with it for now. Yep. Yeah, I'm kind of a combination of Google Drive and Dropbox. Mm. Google Drive and... OneDrive for me. I tried Dropbox and I'm like, uh, this is stupid. I forget my password. I don't want to remember <laughs> another password. Oh, for which? For OneDrive? You no, know, for uh, one for Dropbox. Oh, for Dropbox. Yeah, right. So I uh, I never, I just never got into it. OneDrive was enough for me. I've heard that Dropbox is the best of them all, but it's uh, more expensive than both of those as well. Yeah, I think I'm the same as you. you I kind of snap up whenever there's a, hey, get a free 500 megs on Dropbox, free gig on Dropbox. I snap it up. So I've got a decent amount. I do all the because I, I when I do 
upper memory block, I kind of do a lot of the researchy type stuff and gameplay stuff and video stuff on my Windows machine, and I do all the recording on my Mac. I use Dropbox to sync, you know, audio clips and stuff back and oh. forth. And and for my Star Wars podcast, we use that to kind of trade files around for you know if you know, Chris does the recording and then Jen sweetens the sound and then someone else edits it and then I put it up. So that's how we kind of sync everything. So it, it, it works. Mm-hmm. That reminds me, by the way, something that I found by accident. There was a feature that uh, Microsoft added to OneDrive. I forget if it, if it was for Windows 7 or 8, but it enabled you to turn on a toggle on your PC, which allowed you from any web browser to browse the file system on your PC at home. So oh, that's cool. Yeah, and then they got rid of that feature in Windows 8.1, and just for the heck of it, I looked into it again now, and they seem to have re-enabled it on Windows 10. Hmm. So from any web browser, I can browse all my hard drives at home, whether or not I've synchronized it with OneDrive, which is really cool. It's really cool, but also sounds horribly scary. A little bit. I mean, I have um, (laughs) one thing that Microsoft does exceptionally well, and I know they have one for Windows Phone and for Android. They must have it for iPhone as well, is their authenticator. They have the best security authenticator that I've ever used from any company. Like usually an authenticator is some like two-factor authentication thing where you put in your username and password, and then it says, okay, you can log in as soon as you give us the six-digit code on your authenticator app or uh, token or whatever. Um, Microsoft has a thing where as soon as you're prompted for your authenticator on the website that you're trying to log into, your smartphone beeps at you and it has a little notification with an accept or deny button on it. So you don't have to type in buttons or anything. You just tap accept on your phone and then the website that you're on on your computer knows that you tapped it and just lets you in. Yeah, because I use the Google one for some work stuff, and yeah, it's kind of the old, you know, like your your Blizzard authenticator or whatever. That's right. Here's a code. It's going to change in 10 seconds. You better type it in before it changes. Yes, exactly. We both uh, purchased the uh, physical RSA token thing for uh, Blizzard as well, the little thing with the screen. Oh, yeah, I've got that one right here too. And you get the coolest little, uh, what's what's the mini pet you get for the authenticator? Corehound. Oh yeah, Corehound. Oh, That's right. It's like this like little slobbering fire doggy thing and it slobbers lava. It's so cute. It rolls over, it barks, and then it follows you around. And if you're really in your period story and you manage to get in for the tenth anniversary, you also have the slobbering dog doggy mount to go with it. <laughs> oh, man. It's a dog that's on fire. Oh yeah, I got that one. But it likes being on fire. There was another one too. They called it the Morton, the Molten Corgi. I have that as well. <laughs> which, which is so cute. Which is the one that scoots across the floor? And they use a stream of of lava scoots. Yeah, it's so gross. <laughs> it's super cute. All right. So before I get too far away from Google Play Music, I last week announced that I was not going to put Square Waves FM on Google Play Music because uh, they make you certify that you own all the content. In your podcast, and I always we always uh, end our podcast with a song, but uh, then I figured, oh well, what the heck? We're already on iTunes, so and it's not, and they probably have a stricter policy. They probably do. So I figure if you're going to lie to anyone, you may as well lie to everyone. So I just <laughs> signed up for Google Play Music, and uh, consequences be damned. Yeah, right. so far UMB's on there, and you know I have gameplay clips and music and whatever, so I haven't been flagged yet. I think we're probably in the clear. <laughs> If yeah, any, I think it's one of those things where if someone reports it, then maybe it, they get, you know, something happens. For now, anyway, I know that a lot of uh, musicians and DJs have so-called podcasts that are nothing but like a DJ set with a bunch of commercial music for an hour or two or three. So those might start to uh, 
call attention to the podcast side of things because we all know about like the overzealous uh, algorithms that detect uh, that detect uh, copyrighted material. The worst of which is SoundCloud. Uh. Who are assholes for banning one of my songs, but there are even bigger assholes for, for recently... banning an original piece. That is the stupidest thing. Well, right. That, that was bad enough. That's that's horrible. But now they've banned... Somebody uploaded to SoundCloud uh, a, a song that had the same... It was like the same name and artist as like a commercial, uh, a commercial uh, song that's out there. But the file itself was nothing but silence. It was four minutes of silence. Which they <laughs> which they pulled off of SoundCloud for violating copyright. What copyright? I didn't no, know that copyright. I didn't That's know right. someone could copyright silence. Isn't that isn't that In that case, I'm going to file a copyright today so I can have so I can have the right to silence so that anytime there's a moment of silence in anyone's music, I get the royalties. <laughs> Sweet. I forget. It was either your dad or mine actually told me that some artist published a four minute song that was nothing but silence and put it on their album like as a joke. So I think that's already been done. But regardless, that was not the, the song that they referred to saying it was a copyright violation. They, they just very lazily look at the file name and if it's the same as the song name of the artist, if it's the same as some commercial work, then they tell you you're violating copyright, which you're clearly not. So screw you, SoundCloud. They're the cancer of online music. Yeah. I hate them. Well, yeah, it I was mean, funny. I, got- I know one of my one of my videos on YouTube got flagged once and it was weird because, yes, it was it wasn't my it was, you know, game soundtrack music. But mm-hmm. the the actual song that was indicated in the in the violation was some other song that had nothing to do with the song that was playing. And I went and I listened to that song, and that song was sampling the song. Oh, the video that, game. Yeah, or no? Well, it was sampling the original song that the video game might have also been sampling. But it's kind of like something that was sampling something else claimed that it was the thing that I was playing. It's kind of like, it was this, this really weird convoluted chain of like, oh, well, four songs down in this chain of sampling was the original one, but I'm going to say that you're copying me. Like, what? <laughs> that is the sound of lawyers getting rich. That's oh, all that is. I got I got a warning on one of my YouTube videos. And the thing is, the prominent sound in it is a bird chirping. Oh, that's right. But they must have had an algorithm that dug really deep because I because in the background, behind a closed door, several feet away, was a very faint song playing that that you could only hear in the video if you turned your volume way up. And I'm talking, you know, of, of, you know, making going from you know the normal listenable level to like concert levels to hear it. Sure. Yeah, that's like audio fingerprinting or signatures or whatever. They, they yeah, and that. that was like, and the thing is, it wouldn't have been audible to mo- to a person unless they had the thing cranked to a certain volume. Because be because be, the prominent sound was birds chirping, and that was what the video was focused on. So I'm going, yeah, you're seriously warning me for that. Yeah. yeah. Well, copyright smells. It so. does. I can understand. You know, the per- I, I can see its benevolent purpose, but it's but it's been abused, yeah. terribly abused. It has. It, the, it's it's basically some poor battered bitch in her in a woman's shelter <laughs> right now. Because <laughs> <That's> uh, sensitive. <laughs> I know I'm sensitive. <laughs> You can say it because you're a girl, I guess, right? Exactly. There you go. <laughs> and the other, but the rest of you can't say it because you all got dicks between your legs. That's okay. We'll just sit here blushing. <laughs> I can make jokes about Italians. There you go. Okay. <laughs> yeah, well, I can make jokes about the Greeks and the Irish. There you go. I can. Uh, I don't know. You can tell some. <laughs> I can make uh, jokes about boring average people, I guess. True, but you can be the self-depreciating Jew. What the deal with average people? <laughs> What's this? What's the deal with self 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 
Deprecating. Deprecating. What's yeah? What's up? What's up with self-deprecating people? They're all terrible. <laughs> like like me. All right. <laughs> so are we done our shoutouts? We're done our shoutouts. Um, Maybe we should move on to the best stuff of our year list. Yeah, you got that stuff right, Joe. Yes, I did. Okay. So we'll do that, Fantastic. and then we'll move on to our letters. Yes, letter. One sec, I'm just going to turn our lamp on because it is a gloomy day in Toronto. Yes, it is. And according to CBC News, yesterday was a mild day, and it broke our 30-year, 36-year-old temperature record. Oh, did it? And it was gorgeous yesterday. On that day Celsius. last year, we had it was negative, and it was snowing. Let that sink in. <laughs> My skis are so sad this year. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Having I used to live in Calgary, and we would uh, lament when there wasn't enough snow, because if you were skiing, it meant that they turned on the snow machines, and it made that stupid fake snow that's all, like, slippery ice. and vinyl oh, Yeah, yeah. It's, it's just like ice, basically. Yeah. It's so much worse than the real uh, stuff. The we always had snow in Ottawa. If we didn't have snow... Yeah, you partied if you had, didn't have snow in Ottawa. Exactly. But... Of course, there are people who cry that the Rito didn't freeze over. I can't skate and get beaver tails. Mm. Oh, okay, that was the only good part about skating, were the beaver tails. Right, yeah. <laughs> Sid, uh, why, don't, why don't one of you uh, describe this Canadianism for our That's true. This is like one of the few all-Canadian all episodes, right? <laughs> it's true. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so about the length of my forearm and mm, maybe two forearms wide, it's a paste. It's a flat pastry in the shape of beaver tail, and it comes with an assortment of toppings. Our pastry is usually deep fried pizza dough. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Deep our our pastry is usually measured in forearms. Yes. <laughs> in this case, yes. I used to work at. A, I used to work for a cooking school. That is absolutely a valid measurement. Oh wow! <laughs> Are they like metric forearms in Canada? Yes. Okay. <laughs> and then, so my favorite was the cinnamon and sugar beaver tail and they would get give it to you and it would be the most piping hot thing you ever ate and it was the most delicious thing that ever went into your stomach especially on those days when it was a balmy mere minus 20 degrees yeah I don't mm. and that was without windshield we were really lucky <laughs> yeah and then you'd pair then you'd wash it down with a lovely cup of hot chocolate too mm. I could go for one of those right now. Yeah, I know. Me too. <laughs> well, I, I I would if it wasn't like 12 degrees yesterday. Yeah. Look at this week. It's going to be gorgeous. Monday's going to be 13. Go Canada. Go yeah. Toronto. Here I'm hoping for I'm – gonna, I'm going to be a miserable Scrooge and say, I don't want snow on Christmas and I will be so happy if there's no snow on December 25th. Yeah, I want to wear my T-shirt. Like, <laughs> I love snow. I, I love snow too, actually. You know I love snow. I know, but I'm just saying I want to be a miserable Scrooge and hope there's no snow on that one particular day. Okay. You may Scrooge. Yay! Scrooge, It'll Scrooge, be a Scrooge, brown Scrooge, Christmas Scrooge, 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 Scrooge. All right. Well, now that we've, <laughs> we've talked about that the weather, yes. this is what happens when everyone on the show lives in the same city. <laughs> I suppose so. I don't know if it's a Canadian thing or what. We love talking about the weather. It's very polite. Oh, yeah, I suppose so. It's polite elevator talk. Yes. And it's what you do when you fill in the blanks when you accidentally meet somebody's eyes on the elevator. So, how's that weather, eh? Yeah. Hey. Go local sports team. Yeah. Go wave. local sports team. It doesn't suck. Wave, wave little little felt flag. Sports. Um, let's talk about our best stuff of the year. Yeah. So we'll start mm -hmm. with games. Joe, yeah. why don't you go first? Oh, yeah. This is, a, this is a tough one. What are the best games that you played this year, Joe? Oh, that, that that is a tough one, and I probably want I I would probably go with the one 
that I spent the most time with, which would probably be City Skylines. I'm pretty sure that was this year. Oh, wow. Yeah, we um, uh, whenever we put together our own lists of this sort, I mean, we've only been podcasting this year, but I, I like to say, what what's the best, uh, like the best stuff you've consumed this year? Not necessarily whether it's been released this year. Yeah. Yeah. So for me, it was it was definitely City Skylines. Great. It's just and, and which you got for me, actually. So thank you for that. You bought me my game of the year. Oh, happy to hear it. That's great. Yeah. I bought just, that too. You know, from a perspective of, I'm a big city builder fan. SimCity Five was sadly disappointing, mm-hmm. and you know, it's just one of those games. Like until until this game, every you know couple of years or so, or year or so, I would get the itch and I would install SimCity Four, mm-hmm. and I play that for a while and whatever. Now this this is now the one that that I will be reinstalling or not uninstalling is more pertinent probably oh that's great it sure has a lot of depth doesn't it the policies and everything yeah I mean, there's so much you can do and, and i like the fact that Jeez. it's kind of open in that the point of the game is not necessarily to have the biggest city and the point of the game is not to fill every square of the map with you know houses it's to build oh. a cool city mm-hmm. yeah to have like a self-sustaining city and you can be all crazy about it. Like you can leave, you know, and I have I have a city where there's vast swaths of, of empty space, you know, mm. between things just because, well, I want this area to be like this. And then I want to have kind of like a countryside. And that's where I put more lower density and like farmland and whatever. So you can really mess around with it. Oh, because I'm kind of like, okay, you know what? We're going to fill every square inch with houses and you miserable bastards are going to appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, and that's cool. And you can do that. and then, But then you don't have to. Whereas in SimCity, I always found there was kind of like at a certain point, you had to fill up everything, whether you wanted to or not. Yeah, I love that you can, that you get, you get, you get a nice little small square to start off with. And then once you real, and once you actually throw it up, it's like, oh, I can expand now. But you don't feel compelled to expand until you're ready, and you get, mm-hmm. and you're confined to this small area, so you don't feel like you have to fill everything up right away. I love that they control it until you're ready to expand. Hmm. Yeah, and I also like that they make it easy to change things around. Like a big way to to grow your city, which I didn't find was something that you would do much in SimCity was to demolish areas and reconfigure them and rebuild them and adjust well, yeah, traffic destroy, flow. Yeah, uh, stuff that got burnt out or got abandoned. Yeah. That was all, re- I like that. And it, and of course, I'm going, do I really want to destroy it or do I want to unlock that one uh, that one monument that I can build, the, Catholic, the, uh, the cathedral, if I have enough abandoned buildings? Oh no, what was it? If I had enough abandoned buildings, I forget what. But I know if I had enough dead people lying around, I could build a cathedral. <laughs> Neat. I only have like 25 minutes put into that or something. I just bought it in the, the Black Friday Steam sale. Oh, it's a lot of fun. If you have some free time over the holidays, I would uh, I would try and sit down with it. And really, it, it, ta- it does take a bit of time to kind of get your head around it and, you know, figure out why it's fun for you. But mm. I would recommend it. Absolutely. Oh, I intend to. All right. Did, did you have any other best games on your list for the year? We have a few. Uh, we have I have. I, I, I guess my, my one other one is more of like my most pleasant surprise of the year, which which is uh, which is the new King's Quest. Oh, yeah. You had an absolutely glowing review of that on your show. I loved it. And actually, I just uh, I just it, it's free this month on uh, on PSN or PS Plus. Sorry, oh, wow. sorry. I, I got it there. I got it on my PlayStation as well. Hmm. Try it over there, too. But uh, yeah, I mean, it was I, I didn't really know what to expect 
from it. I hoped it would be decent because to be perfectly honest, I'm not a, a massive fan of King's Quest in general. I find them a little bit cheesy and frustrating at times. Me too. But this one was just like, I think I said it in my review. It's it's a delightful game. It's one of the games this year that made me smile. And games don't often make me smile. Hmm. And it sure is an all-star cast. Oh, absolutely. And yeah, just the, the voice acting is, is just phenomenal. It's it's great. I, it's it, it doesn't get more kind of polished. It's a very polished experience, I guess that's what I would say. It's, it's a short experience, but it's polished. What's that? Oh, Cedric the Owl. That was King's Quest V. <laughs> I'd be interested to see if they reference him in future episodes in some way. Yeah, I kind of hope they do. I think they should. I think it'd be funny. Sure. They should okay. totally hire Francisco to do his voice. I know. They really should. I'm, I'm kind of a fan of his Australian Cedric, personally. Now that I've heard <laughs> it, I can't go back. <laughs> do, they, do they do a lot of those little like referential throwbacks? I'm trying to. There's there's some stuff. I mean, I didn't think there was a ton necessarily. Mm-hmm. I guess they it's don't like, really. They're not going to find a lot of people who play this one that played the original series. I bet. Oh, I mean, they will and they won't. Kind of a thing. But I mean, when you look at things like just from like the costumes and there's some scenes like there's one scene where if you remember the intro to King's Quest Five, there's one point where you know when when the castle goes away in the mm-hmm. intro, that scene is actually redone in this game where you oh. walk up to that same spot and you can kind of see Daventry. Oh, cool. And it's like almost, you know, like a higher res version of that same scene. So it's, there is, there is stuff. It's not so much like, Oh, this character was in King's quest four and they're in the, this one now. But I mean, we don't know what they're going to do moving forward. Cause again, the whole premise of, of the game is, you know, old King Graham, Christopher Lloyd telling his granddaughter stories of when he was a lad. So, right. And I'm, I'm, I'm glad they're not too heavy-handed with the references because um, uh, Tesla Effect mm-hmm. really beat you over the head with that stuff with flashbacks and finding things on the ground and stuff. You, like, couldn't swing a cat without hitting three references, basically. Yeah, so, I, I mean, I like that. And I think that was I, – I think the reason for that is, you know, Tesla Effect was basically built by the – made by the guys that made the other ones as kind of a fan game. Yeah. Or an homage yeah. to their old stuff whereas this is different people company you know like you know kind of a big not i'm not going to say it's triple a it's not it's it's still sierra's kind of like their indie quote unquote indie side of things right but i think the intent was more of a it was made for business you know it wasn't made to make people laugh but yeah, yeah but it still did well it's good to hear I don't even know what else Sierra, that the new Sierra is doing yet. I know they mentioned something about Geometry Wars. I think they put Yeah, there's out. a couple things out. I've, I've been to their site recently. There, I don't think there's much else kind of from a perspective of old, you know, old franchises. Mm-hmm. I wonder if they're going to see how the whole wait for the whole King's Quest thing to finish off, like all the episodes. I think it's supposed to be five episodes. Yeah, it sounds like people are kind of cooling to the idea of episodic games now it sounds like a lot of the time they don't like the whole seasons pass kind of a thing they just wait till they're all out before they get into it at all so yeah they, so i guess we'll see i guess so i'm still gonna keep an eye out for that on uh, sale though because i had really no intention of trying it until i heard your glowing review and your uh, rebuttal to my uh my <laughs> skeptical uh voicemail on your show as well it, it sounds like they really took it seriously and turned it into something enjoyable so i'm gonna i'm gonna get that for sure yeah, it's not just a rehash. It's not just a, a money grab for people. Oh, I liked King's Quest. Let me buy this. It's it's they, they made a good game. 
And I think that's the important thing. Yeah, that is important. Because I've gone through enough of these little disappointments now of, oh, hey, I liked uh, I liked Gabriel Knight or I liked uh, uh, Broken Sword. I'm sure I'll, I'll like the next one. And mm-hmm. They've been disappointing to me. So that, that honeymoon is over now. Second honeymoon, I guess it would be. Mm-hmm. Um, anything else on your best games of the year list? No, I think that's that's about it. I've got some stuff in what I've been playing, but I haven't been playing them long enough to to say. So, okay. Well, Bianca, would you like to uh, go next with your favorite games? Sure. Of the year? Let's see what we got here. Um, hmm. Well, I, there were there were a few games that I did enjoy, but I decided to trim it down and go with the ones that were my that were my favorite this year, for one reason or another. So, number one, of course, is the uh, tell, is Telltale's Game of Thrones. Not only did it satisfy me for the duration of the season uh, between uh, seasons. Five and six. I'm still waiting for season six. It's going to be soon. Well, at least I'm momentarily satisfied. I got my books. Mm-hmm. But this game kept me satisfied once season five was over. Of course, the suspense waiting for the last episode was really bad. I'm like, I want it already. Mm. Overall, game was extremely satisfying to play. The, the plot was... It did feel like a Game of Thrones story. And it had all the recognizable characters, even if you didn't control the main characters that typically appear in the uh, in the HBO show. You uh, did get to interact with them. Instead, I think get, in a way that's better. Yeah, exactly. Because then it's not ruined, and instead you get to see them from the perspective you're used to seeing them from, which is the as a viewer or as, as someone on the outside. So basically, you play as three different characters in this. Jared Tuttle, who is sent to the wall because of a uh, scuffle with uh, some nobles, and apparently, and because he tried, because he killed a noble after the nobles killed his family, but you know, being uh, low born, he's not allowed to, uh, you know, be a violent asshole and get revenge, so he's mm-hmm. sent to the wall. Uh, Mira Forrester, yeah, House Forrester is the house that's uh, primarily mm-hmm. featured in this. It's one of the lesser houses, and they're the ones who control the Iron Woods. Which, which is used in the building of many aspects of King's Landing, and so she, Mira Forrester, is the hand is one of the two handmaidens to uh, Marjorie of House um, of Highgarden. Marjorie boob dress. <laughs> <laughs> and then the last one is then there's uh, Roderick, who uh, you uh, come back to control. He's uh, the Lord of he's Lord Forrester. And then you have Asher Forrester, who's over in um, the Free Cities. And you, so you do get to interact with Daenerys, only to find out she's uh, not as willing to uh, fulfill her deals as she appears to be. Mm. Of course, there's your, your, your typical backstabbing and, you know, and Sophie's choice. Which one of these people will live and which one are you going to kill horribly in a, in a uh, oh, I don't know. Power grab. Exactly. <laughs> so, do the writing of the game kind of hold up to the show and to the books? Does it have the same like power and subtlety? Yes. Really. And of course, well, I guess have... unlike the books, they probably don't talk about what they're having for breakfast for like fourteen pages. Oh no, they don't. Unfortunately, <laughs> that's the nice thing about the show is they skip. They they you don't, you don't have to listen to for, read through fourteen pages of what they're having for breakfast. They just show you, and it takes like one frame. Mm-hmm. And they don't describe you know the person eating so. 
And there were a lot of, weren't there six episodes in this yes. season? Which is kind of cool. That's usually four or five for Telltale. Yeah, that's longer. That's long for a Telltale game. Seems to be. I don't know if they just broke up the same amount of content into more chapters or what. No. No? They didn't. It's just, it's already a long story to begin with. Right. Well, it's Game of Thrones, right? Yeah, yeah. You you either uh, play or you die. No, you win or you die. <laughs> you win or you die, yes. Hmm. Yeah, I have to get my hands on that because I'm a big Game of Thrones fan. I'm a big Telltale Games fan, so... It's a I good that, one. That's another one, along with her story, which I haven't had a chance to get around to. We're probably going to play that with my wife over the holidays, because we're both going to be off between Christmas and New Year's. Oh, right on. That's a good one to play, and you'll really enjoy it. It had good story. That's on my mm-hmm. list for best of yeah, I, I, I suspected Brian was going to talk about it. So. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, of course, it, and, of course, it does have the quick time events, but it's... Unlike all your old old school Sierra games, the quick time events are for forgiving and don't leave you in a bad place when you have to when you die. Oh, oh Sierra! Old Sierra games don't have quick time events; they have timer puzzles. Big difference. <laughs> Valor Mogolis. Mm-hmm. All men must die. Okay. And now let's see what else is on my list. And the other game on my list, now that I'm done talking about Game of Thrones, is um, Wolfenstein: New Order. Oh, that's a, that was such a good game. Mm-hmm. It came out last year, and that's when I played it. But boy, was that a surprisingly great game! Yeah, I just I need to check my Steam game. library and make sure I don't I have it or I don't have it. Oh well, you're you're lucky, Joe, that you have that unlimited data plan. That is a big game. That game oh, I think yeah. was thirty seven gigs or something like that. Yeah, I just copied it over from Brian. It's huge, huge, huge. Or say that some bandwidth, of course. We, we would say bandwidth if we hadn't streamed something overnight for no particularly good reason. Oh, I, w- I found some old musician friend of mine and I kept his his Reverb Nation tab open all night. And I wake up in the morning. I'm like, what's that sound? Uh-oh. And I have this little bandwidth monitor. So I'm like, oh, what's sipping away at our bandwidth? Oh, I guess I was, I guess the birds were listening to the radio all night. <laughs> there you go. Whoopsie. No wonder they're all rambunctious today. They've been listening to keyboard music. Mm-hmm. Yeah, anyway. and this is after we almost went over last month. And, not, and that's not exactly easy to do, seeing as how we have a 400 gig cap. I know. Sorry. I've been trying to be good about queuing my Steam games overnight and stuff now. Anyway. So, Wolfenstein, New Order. Interesting. I'm actually surprised that for a shooter, it had a decent, it didn't have a half bad story. Yeah. And it didn't feel cobbled together at the last minute as superficial content. Yeah, that's right. It, well, I mean, the I story mean, is pretty stupid and superficial, I mean, but it told so well. Yeah, I know. I mean, I'm not saying the story was, you know, intelligent. Or you go serious. to a Nazi moon base. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's not Shakespeare, exactly. But the, the characters are great and the dialogue is great. Sorry, yeah, I don't exactly, as long it. as it's relatively well written, I mean, it's Wolfenstein. It's not going to be exactly that. It's not going to be Shakespeare. <laughs> yes. I know, but it's still better than most of the other stories. I, ha- I still haven't figured out what's happening in Call of Duty 3. Um, okay, am I in a dream sequence? Is this a simulation? Or what the hell is happening? All I know is I had my arms ripped off. Oh, that's uh, Black Ops? Yeah, Black Ops 3. God Blops 3? Yeah, God Blops. <laughs> <laughs> yep, so Wolfenstein, for it's not not too badly written story, good mechanics, even mm. though I hated that robot fight, that insufferable robot fight, I hated that one. Which was a robot fight right at the end? Yeah, where you had to shoot the guy in the ass. Oh, yeah, you did that way faster than I did. Did you play on the easier difficulty? Yeah. Oh, okay, that's why. I, I redid that fight like 30 times. It's one of those fights. Mm-hmm. I think I didn't do it on the easiest, easiest. I must have been on like the second easiest because I was like, I've been playing shooters a long time. Let's just, I, when I saw the number of difficulties, I'm like, okay, if there's three difficulties, I'll pick the easiest. But when there's like six difficulties, usually in that case, I find that the easiest is almost too easy. It's stupidly easy. Mm. So I picked the second difficulty, which which I find to be closer to what I'm used to. Mm-hmm. 
So, aside from the fact that it's, you know, space moon Nazis, <laughs> I, I, I found that, you know, the story wasn't too bad. And the ending was satisfying, even if some people don't like the ending for different reasons. Yeah, I liked it a lot. Mm-hmm. And so, those are my two big games for the year, even though one of them came out last year. I didn't play it last year. Oh, right on. All right, well, I have three games on my list, and the one first and foremost is Her Story. That is my game of the year for sure. That came out this year, didn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Very good game, too. That's one of the games that I quite enjoyed, but it didn't make it to my uh, best of the year list. Oh, I I just found it so refreshing because it's an FMV game, and it's kind of cool to see FMV making a resurgence, for better or for worse. I guess the HD video and large storage media and uh, quick download uh, bandwidth uh, home broadband speeds kind of make it possible again. Because um, wouldn't it be the worst game if it's like, okay, you know, okay, I got to go watch this clip. Insert DVD number seven. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I'm all done with that now. Um, so, I mean, the acting in this game was good and the story is good and there's all these fun little revelations uh, as you kind of untangle the mystery. But it's just the mechanics of the gameplay and the way that the story, unra- story unravels that are so refreshing to me. It's something that I don't really remember ever being done before. And I don't want to spoil it because I encourage everyone to get it. I know it's on sale on GOG right now for four bucks. Yeah, I think that's, that's how I – or I, I have it on Steam, but I yeah. think I got it during the big Steam sale. And yeah, it was like three or four bucks. And there's going to be another Steam sale in a week or two, by the way. So I'm sure it will all go on sale again. Um, uh, just um, – Getting this trickle of information and there being no, like, two people, no no two players will see the story in the same order. It's just kind of disjointed, kind of like a memento pulp fiction, kind of an out-of-order storytelling. That's yeah, and that's why I think I, I'll, I'll be very interested to play it with my wife, just because, like, she's not a big gamer. Like, she'll play Mario and whatever, but not much else. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but she, but her, in her job, she is effectively, she works in human resources, but basically she's an investigator. Mm-hmm. So I figure this is sort of right up her alley. Yeah, I, I think so too. It's a perfect game to play with a non-gamer, I think. It's uh, really more like an interactive movie than most interactive movies are. And the interactivity is kind of minimal, but it's just very smart the way it's done. And it makes you think not like a gamer, but like, a, I don't know, like an investigator, I suppose. So I so highly recommend it. The whole game, I think it took us about three or four hours to play through the whole thing. We did it over a couple of nights and... You know, Bianca and I playing it together, it's an awesome thing to do with a significant other if you have the opportunity or with friends or even if you play by yourself. But yeah, You kind of like argue about things, I imagine. Yeah, well, having someone to bounce ideas off of or one of you kind of gets a little revelation and the other person's like, oh, it's just one of those games where you don't get in each other's way. It, it only helps the situation more. And plus Bianca's uh, knowledge of like this old folk song, which is central to the story, that brought a new kind of dimension of understanding and uh, – it kind of grounded it a little bit, so that was that was very enjoyable too. What a good game! It's a fantastically good game. I'm so happy I played it. So her story, get that. Yep. Um, another game that we played a whole bunch this year, um, and we played it a whole bunch before we even bought it, was the Jackbox Party Pack. This is a this uh, they're called Jackbox games now, but they used to be uh, Jelly Vision. That's right. Thank you, Jelly Vision. You don't know Jack guys. Exactly. You don't know Jack guys. So the Jackbox is kind of like a, a six, I think it's five or six different little mini games. And they're all intended for a local co-op audience of like a party full of people. Some of the games, I think one or two of the games you can play by yourself. There is a, you don't know Jack thing in there, which I haven't played too much of, but I think you can play that one solo, but the rest are all for like two to six players. Some of them are for even more than that, eight or 10 or 12. Yeah. 
I know Drawful is for eight, so is Quiplash, and so is is uh, Fib, uh, Fibber. Fibbage. Fibbage. Yeah, and even a lot of these games, even if uh, there's only room for a finite number of people, you can have audience <laughs> participation too, where the audience gets to help to vote for their favorite answers or something like that. So they're very kind of board gamey, and uh, like some of the one of them, like Pictionary. Uh, the really Java. cool, yeah. The really cool thing was how popular these games got on Twitch, and Twitch, um, despite Twitch uh, recently having a feature that allows you to reduce the lag from 30 seconds to 15 seconds. Mm -hmm. 15 seconds is still a lot of lag. It's too much to play. You don't know Jack with someone when one person sees the question and buzzes in 15 seconds later than the other. It's kind of an unfair advantage for uh, the uh, home team. Um, But for the other games, uh, they modified the game. They added a patch to the game, which they called it streaming mode where it just gave an extra 30 seconds for all of the major questions and stuff to allow people uh, uh, remotely to play on an equal ground, on equal footing, which is super, super cool. So check it out on Twitch if you can, if you want to buy it. There's two of them now. I think one is like 15 bucks and the other is 25 or something. Uh, it's uh, a lot of fun, a whole lot of fun. It's fun to play with your friends. It's really fun sometimes to play with random strangers. Sometimes you get uh, people who are immature or racist or something like that. Oh, That's no fun at all. The immature ones. It's like, real, I'm like, it's one thing to engage in uh, sexual innuendo or, you know, something that, or, you know, just like boobies, tee Because, I mean, there's the, that's inoffensive or, you know, generally expected. And then there's just be, and then there's just writing, uh, I'm sucking nigger as your name. Right. Yeah. Yeah, so there there are a few people like that, but the vast majority of people were the good kind of immature, where everyone has a good laugh. And um, in the end, uh, a lot of the games are about, you know, you write an answer and then everybody votes on which is the best answer. Two of you write an answer and the rest of you vote on which is the best one. So the cream kind of rises to the top. Uh, unless, of course, you're playing with a bunch of, uh, point, a bunch of oh, adventure wait. gamers, in which case every answer is... Uh, Jim something was it Jim Harris? Oh, it was Jim Wall's balls. Jim Wall's balls. And of course, I'm sitting there going, "Why am I even trying?" Yeah, that's right. If you're playing with a bunch of adventure gamer nerds and you're not giving adventure game answers, you are not going to win. <laughs> Doesn't matter what gibberish you write, as long as it's about Rosella or something. <laughs> so that was we had some really good times playing that game this year, and I'm glad that we bought it, even though we our own copy we probably played for like 20 minutes or something. Oh no, then we played it when your cousins came to visit, and yeah. they're not really gamers either. Nope. But they were accessible to them because they're like board games, really. Yeah, we had to, we had to really stick to Drawful because we had a bit of a language barrier with one of our cousins, which um, made it funny too because <laughs> she didn't always understand what she was supposed to draw, and that made it really funny. Mm-hmm. So it's not about who wins those games; it's about just playing it and hanging out together. So it's a it's a rare treat to get to play a local co op game like mm-hmm. that with so many people. So the last game of my year, of the year on my list is A Golden Wake by Francisco Gonzalez. I really, really like this game. I thought you played it last year. I don't know. I played it this year, too. I played it this when year. When did he release it? I think it was out this year. I, I might have. Been, I think it was this year. I, might have, I was a beta tester. I might have played the beta test last year. Because I got all the way through the beta test, and I had a really good time with it. I gave it a little bit of time, and then I played the final one, and I enjoyed all the little... Uh, tweaks and he added a new area with new puzzles and adjusted some of the puzzles and some of the dialogue. So it uh, did come out October 9th, 2014, but still. Ah, uh, okay. I think I must not have replayed it again then until 2015. But I love that game. I had a really good time with it. It's short, it's to the point and sweet. It Release has, date October 9th, 
2014 on Steam, which means you probably... Where have I heard that before? Oh, right. Three seconds ago. <laughs> Thanks, Encyclopedia Brown. Anyway, <laughs> um, it, it's what I really like about it is that it strikes that, uh, that unique uh, tone that Jane Jensen gets, which is to make a game very educational without you really, you know, without, without it feeling preachy or textbooky. It just immerses you in this world and tells you about its history and it's and then slaps the you over the head with a really shitty puzzle you had a damn puzzle <laughs> you had more trouble with that puzzle than i did or you at least i don't think you did actually you just got angrier at that puzzle than i did <laughs> bianca's just happy that she gets the opportunity to tell the actual designer yeah that it was a shitty puzzle <laughs> what a rare treat that is to tell off because i told him the story was good you know i softened the blow a bit i i put some marshmallow fluff in there yeah, right. You give him the, the the compliment sandwich. Yeah. With a crap in the middle. Right. So I had a great time with that. And as I mentioned before, it's really cool in a golden wake how there's no antagonist to the story. It's kind of a man versus himself sort yeah. of a story. Although you could consider the protagonist to be also a bit of an antagonist. He's his own antagonist, exactly. which is such a nice... You don't really see that in video games because video games are all about conflict. And so with the conflict, a bad guy, right? Yeah. Yeah, so when the conflict is within the protagonist himself, it's just a really rare, enjoyable uh, scenario that you get to play out. And it's really interesting trying to get yourself out of the problems that you yourself have gotten yourself into. And I mean, you do that in adventure games anyway, but it's always in the context of saving the world or beating the bad guy. So when there is no bad guy, then it really kind of makes you think about it in a new way. So kudos, Francisco. I enjoyed the heck out of that game and I played it. Uh, yes, now. excellent storytelling. And I watched Bianca play it too with with uh, great interest. All right. Uh, the next category we've got on our list here is the best music that we've listened to this year. Uh, Joe, do you have anything on that list to share? So music is weird for me. I'm not a huge music guy. So what I put here is actually this year is, is the year I discovered streaming services. Oh, uh, yeah. And so just from a perspective of being able to find new music and, you know, find music that's inspired by music that I like and stuff like that. That That's really where the way I listen to music changed this year, not so much the music that I listen to. Mm-hmm. So I think for me, that's kind of like my best my best music of the year. So I'm, I'm using Spotify right now. I may look into changing that. I don't know. But yeah, it's just and just the fact that like, you know, I don't have to search very hard. I don't have to remember, oh, I need to buy this song. I need to buy that song. I just look for it and it's there. And, you know, I know artists don't necessarily love that because of royalties that they don't necessarily get a lot of from streaming, but yeah, I don't know. I, from a, from a consumer perspective, it's just amazing. Oh, it sure is. I forgot to mention, by the way, that when I uh, went over to my parents' house after work yesterday to set my dad up with Google play music, he was of course all skeptical. He's like, Oh, you're paying for this thing. I don't want to use your thing. I'm like, dad, I'm, Bianca and I are going to use it. We're paying the same amount, whether you use it or not, use the damn thing. <laughs> so I sat him down with it and he's, he's a music fan. He listens to music all the time. He used to be a guitar teacher. He used to play in a rock band. Um, and he really fell hard in love with Google and play music immediately. It was so heartwarming to see. He was like adding albums to his, to his, uh, library. And he was looking at the playlist that it put together and he was laughing at the names of, uh, different playlists because you can like say you're in the mood for funk and there were like 14 different playlists of different kinds of funk. So that was really nice to see. It was like he was a kid again. Yeah. <laughs> and, that, and that's what I love. It's just the fact that you can go in search for some stuff and it spits out things that you may not have thought of and you discover a lot of cool stuff. Oh yeah. Like when I dreamed about the internet, that's exactly the kind of service 
that I thought would come like a hundred years in the future. It, that really, it really wows me. I love that kind of service. Did you get your Spotify retrospecticus email? I uh, may have. I don't know. Actually, I don't think I did as oh. of yet. I, we were. We just did the Spotify free trial for three months. And did you get yours too? You, you got yours too. We got an email which was like a Spotify yearbook. The no, albums you listen to most. The albums, the songs that you listen to most. Nope, I didn't get one. No, you didn't get one. Maybe they're doing it uh, on a staggered basis. I got mine. Well, I, I like when companies do that. When the oh, well, you know what? Here it is. I I it, I got it. Well, I got it yesterday. Oh, cool. Yeah, I love when all the big data companies that we decry for collecting all of our personal information, then they send us an email at the end of the year saying, here's all the personal information we collected about you. And you're like, oh, I remember that. Oh, I'm so glad you reminded me. Oh, we're such fickle beings. We're, a, so, we're such stupid animals. That was something my dad mentioned to me, too. He says, you hear all the time about the, you know, protecting your private data from being collected by big companies. But then he's, but then seeing all these recommendations based on your history and your preferences and stuff like that shows you the benefit of those kinds of services. Yeah. Okay. I have to log in because for some reason it was telling me that I really like Drake and I don't. <laughs> I don't think I've ever heard him. <laughs> he's a local boy. Yeah, that he is. I feel compelled to listen to him at some point. Yeah. Anyways, enough people do. I think he's okay. He's doing all right. Yeah, he'll do okay without our our penny per song royalties. <laughs> that is a number I got, by the way, from someone. I listened a lot to a guy named Rainbow Kitten who did – Bianca introduced me to. He did the soundtrack for Orion Trail. Yes, which I wouldn't shut up about for a few podcasts. But yes, it out, it's out of early access. It's all polished. It has achievements. Yay, go achievements. Mm. So I told him that I listened to him all day one one day on Google Play Music. And he's like, oh, thanks. How many songs did you listen to? I'm like, uh, 16. One. So he said, oh, great. I'm 16 cents richer. <laughs> so good good for him. That's cute, though. That's a, that's. If I listen to him for a week, he could, like, buy a, a gumball. <laughs> yeah, so is that it for you? you yeah, have any that's specific kind of artists? That. I couldn't really – nothing specific came to mind. So I, I, I went general. Oh, that's okay. cool. So I guess uh, – I'll go next. Go for it, babe. Although I listened to this band before this year, and it was and it was my and and I okay. Let me start again. My brain just shut up. <laughs> Although I listened to this band prior to this, to uh, twenty fifteen, we only saw, I only saw, we should say only saw them in concert this year actually at the Danforth Music Hall. Little Dragon, very good concert. I was ex- I was hoping that they would play some of their more slow music, but did they but naturally being concert they were they opted for a lot their a lot more of their upbeat and uh, fast music, which is fine too. They kinda of made their music more upbeat. Yeah. Too, even the slower songs. Mm-hmm. Oh so they're a Swedish band with a Japanese singer. Yeah. And they who sings in English. Yep. Which is a very interesting combination. Mm-hmm. Boy, are they great. Yep. That was my, the, one of their albums was my number one Spotify list during my trial. I was all obsessed with them after the concert. Yeah. So, yeah, that was my big music thing was just being, it was just having the, con- it was just enjoying them live at a concert. Because live music is just so much, I wouldn't say it's better, but it just has a whole different feel to it than studio recorded music. It just has this unique energy to it. Well, and so did the people. So many people got up and danced and stuff. We had a really good uh, balcony seat. Yeah. And you could see people like going crazy to their music. And they were a pretty easygoing band mm-hmm. on their albums, at least. Yeah, they, they apparently uh, Torontonians are too quiet for them. So they, they wanted us to make more noise. I guess so. <laughs> I guess Swedish bands are just much more louder than us. <laughs> I, I guess. <laughs> Let's see. The other thing was, um, 
another concert, but you know, just I figure I put this in music because it's music. We saw a an Okinawan band perform with uh, traditional instrument song. Oh, and, I forget what that kind of style was called now. Yeah, it's some four letter acronym. Word. Yeah. It was an acronym. It was the word. I don't remember what it was. Yeah. That was great. I forgot about that already. Mm-hmm. Once again, didn't seem it didn't look like much when you first arrived, but once they started, they had they carried all their costumes, and it was this massive choreographer. It was all well choreographed. Choreographed. I don't choreographed? know. Choreographed. Choreographed. <laughs> Choreographed. Molten corgi. <laughs> But the music was beautiful. Just listening to it, and they had just this perfect rhythm. Yeah, wasn't it like three hundred year old music or whatever? It was a whole yeah. traditional. Cool. Mm-hmm. It was very cool. We saw that at the Japanese Culture Community Center, yeah. in Uptown Toronto. It was so. Great. You guys do so much more like cultural city stuff than I do. <laughs> yeah, we just we just gloat about the few things we do. I think. Yeah, trust me, we're not that interesting. We're quite. We're rather hermity. <laughs> <laughs> I, although then again we're also the ones who, we're also like I don't want to go to your do not want to go up here your sister says okay what can we do hey let's go see Shakespeare that's a good excuse oh yeah we did do that didn't we yep I forgot about that I should have put that on my list later anyway and then let's see what else uh, music we have well I uh, did the Spotify thing to try and find new music I, my favorite band being X Japan I decided to use them as my uh, start, starting base so from there I got a new band that I like called Aventasia. I think the best way to describe it is opera metal. <laughs> interesting. Yeah, interesting. <laughs> They're really good. There are a few others that fell into that category as well, but I like these guys the most. They had more of a, it's almost like an opera story on their albums that I got. They're and- very annoying. <laughs> <laughs> I can see what they're going for. I just wish they wouldn't. <laughs> I'm glad you like them. I, yeah. I am. And another band that I quite enjoy, I got a new album of theirs this year. So, Sarah Patrol, I got their newest album, uh, Outlander. For those of you wondering, it's uh, modern bagpipe music. Oh, so, I actually like this one, though, didn't I? I'll yeah. actually have to check that out. I, is this one that you played a few times and I've mentioned that I liked? Yeah. Yeah, it is like modern they have like dance music kind of background for yeah, some of them. Yeah, they have dance music. They have drums, other instruments, and the bagpipes. Although they're they're one of the main instrument, it's not strictly bagpipe music. And there's like proper melodies and everything, so it's not oppressing military uh, styles, uh, horn screeching. Yeah, well, that's what surprised me because the bagpipe is kind of abrasive on its own. It can be, yeah. But but with a whole like when it's a, a part of a band or whatever, it it has its place. Mm-hmm. There are some instruments that can stand alone. There are others that just can't. Mm-hmm. Of course, there are instruments in the hands of experts, which can always stand by themselves. For yeah, example, of course. A full drum kit in the hands of Neil Pert. Oh, yeah, that's mm-hmm. right. I don't know how many more times it'll be in his hands, though, now that he's uh, retiring. Um, he's retiring, but it doesn't sound like he's... Uh, it sounds like they're retiring. He's retiring from, from touring, anyway. Yeah, they're retiring. Yeah, that's one of those, these guys retire, and then they do a comeback tour, and then they retire, and they do another comeback tour. Probably. How old is he now? He's like 63 or something? Yeah. He's getting there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's drumming. He has to sit down. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> it's a, it's next True, to and they don't jump around the stage like a bunch of nincompoops either, so... that Yeah, no, they don't. And I don't think they're the a bunch of I don't think they did their heroin either. So yeah, yeah, Rush. I think they were I think they were pretty straight edge, weren't they? Mm-hmm. They're awesome. 
I, I, I never liked Rush that much until you took me to their concert, and then I was totally convinced that they're amazing. Boy, are they good. So that's your list? Yep, that's my list for music. Right on. All right, I have a few things. Uh, more of them than I thought are video game music, the best things that I listened to this year. But uh, the, the number one artist I listened to all year was a guy named Maxo. Um, I follow him on Twitter. I've mentioned him on the podcast before. He is, I think he's only like, I don't know, he must be like 24 or 25 years old or something. I thought he was like three times his age listening to his music because he does really jazzy kind of stuff, but it's all like in, wrapped in the context of like chip tunes. So it's very like thoughtful, emotional, very complex and like technically proficient music with like crazy uh, complicated chords and progressions and stuff like that. I cannot keep up with it. I have no idea how he composes this stuff, but I just love like every note that he that he plays. And he plays at least a couple of real instruments, but most of what he does is programming a sequencer to make chip tunes or, or uh, chip tune backings for real instrument stuff. And he also does live concerts as well, where he'll uh, have like a backing track and he'll uh, uh, improvise on a keyboard or something while he has a saxophone just playing with him or something. So he released an album this year called Chord Slayer, and I'll put a link to it in the show notes. I'll link to our list, our whole list in the show notes. Um, he had this awesome website done where you can listen to the whole album for free, and it has a little uh, indicator in the top left-hand corner of this really cool like full-screen animation that tells you which chord is playing, whether it's like a B-flat diminished sixth chord or something like that. I don't even know what half of these mean, but it's really cool to see those appear in real time. Uh, you got to see it to understand it. So I'll link that. Um, another artist that I listened to like crazy this year is a Toronto artist, uh, by they're a duo by the name of keys and crates, which is a cool name. Cause one of them is a pianist and the other guy was a DJ. Barrel and crate, crate and barrel. No crate and barrel. <laughs> <laughs> I listened, I heard these guys for the first time at your dad's Christmas party, actually which was weird. He just had the radio on and this one song came on and like my ears perked up. I was like a, a bunny rabbit who thought he smelled a carrot. <laughs> um, and yay internet. I used, I forget if it was Soundhound or, or Shazam. Shazam or one of those things. Yeah. <laughs> That's another kind of a technology that I daydreamed about when I thought about what the internet might do one day is oh, that's I, such I a still find it ridiculous and incredible and i still have no idea how it works but it's unbelievable well not only does it recognize your song but they also like show you the lyrics for the song and they know where you are in the song so they show you the lyrics for the like in real time for wherever you are in the song that's awfully cool so that's where I, how i identified these guys by this one song that oh, i heard brilliant. i've listened to them a zillion times and so the song that i like the most uh, of theirs is called uncle otis which if i recall was either a record store or a clothing store. I think it was probably both on Queen West in Toronto. So that's a cool name. I, I love those guys. They're, I think they're brilliant. Their uh, style of electronic music is called trap, which is really low, slow tempo music. And I've listened to other trap and I don't care about it whatsoever, but I just love what these guys do. Um, next is the soundtrack to the FMV game Contradiction by the director, Tim Fallen. He's also a composer. He and his brother, I think, if I'm not mistaken. It's just gorgeous, uh, like, string orchestral kind of a, a easygoing movie cinematic soundtrack. Really moody and mysterious and spooky and fits perfectly with the cinematography. 
It's a beautiful soundtrack. And if you buy the game Contradiction, which is a pretty good game. It's a pretty good game. Uh, the uh, main detective is a little too perky and happy. He's funny. He's funny. Yeah, he's funny. He's so British. He's, he's very so Br- It's a very British game. Everything's very British. It's so English. So the scenery is beautiful. The sets are beautiful. Cinematography is beautiful. And it's all kind of tied together by this really gorgeous soundtrack. So mm-hmm. if you buy the game for nothing but the soundtrack, you'll be very happy. Because it's in OG files, I think, in the Ag. game folders. Ag. Another game soundtrack that I loved was for a game called Luck Slinger, which is a Dutch game, uh, a weird Dutch platformer game where you're a cowboy with (laughs) a pet duck. And depending on how much luck you have, instead of falling down a hole, like a little platform will appear all of a sudden or enemy bullets will ricochet away from you or something right before they're about to hit you. It's like a luck-based cowboy duck game. <laughs> it's very strange. It's very strange. It is weird. The first time I, I watched it, I'm like, what the fuck is that thing following you? He's like, oh, it's my lucky duck. That's right. Yeah, you have a pet duck, and sometimes he'll like, sit on your shoulder, and sometimes he'll flap over and get a power-up and bring it back to you. It's adorable. I love it. So the soundtrack is, I'm never going to say this guy's name correctly. I think it's, Rick Van Ravenswaj? You're the Dutch one here, aren't you? <laughs> Rick Van Ravenswaj. It's because is, the, is it uh, still a, a Y sound if it's two J's? Oh, it's I-J, so yes. it's Ravenswaj. Yeah, and, and the A is a long sound because it's double A, Swaj. Oh, okay, thank you. I put one of his songs at the end of one of our shows. It's a really cool soundtrack. It's kind of like a, It's kind of like cowboy hip-hop. <laughs> cowboy hip-hop. Okay. There's no lyrics though. It's very interesting. Oh, so this so this cowboy have swag. Uh, I don't know. I don't say that word. <laughs> Whatever. Great soundtrack. I won't go on too much about it. And my last one is uh, the album Nobuma Rubber Band by uh, by Little Dragon, which is the the album that convinced me to go see them in concert with Bianca, and their concert was unbelievable. <laughs> Best concert I saw this year, no question. Yep. And I'm guessing you copied that that album from my collection. Um, I don't remember. Yeah, we got Google Play Music now, so I have, so I have every album. <laughs> That's right. All right. Uh, best best book. You go, Joe. Go for it, Joe. Best book. So best book. I I've got. Well, I've got three. I can do two. Anyways, uh, do whatever you so, like. So the best the best book was um one of my best books was actually uh The Martian. I know that I don't think that came out this year, but I read it this year or so actually i listened to it this year oh that's the one that uh, they based the movie off of yes awesome how'd you like it sorry go ahead how how did you like it i it's it was it was such a a good book and i don't know if it's because i read it or i listened to it while i was away for work this summer for a good three weeks Mm. but i couldn't i literally couldn't like stop listening to it couldn't put it down it was just like it it's it's a it's a hard sci-fi book, so everything it's like you know it's just a little bit in the future, and I guess I don't know if people know the premise. Basically, this guy it's, there's a Mars mission, something goes wrong. They think this guy dies right at the beginning, but it turns out he didn't, and he has to survive by himself on Mars for like 500 days, and he has to kind of do all this. Engin- he's a he's an engineer slash botanist. <laughs> <laughs> And so he uses his background in engineering and botany and just general scientific method, you know, approach to things to solve all the problems of, well, I'm stuck on Mars by myself. How do I make water? How do I make food? How do I survive? Science. Yeah, he just he sciences the shit out of everything. (laughs) And it's just it's done in a very 
kind of humorous way. Like it's a serious story, but he's kind of this very sarcastic guy. And like basically the first, I think it's also the first line in the movie, but the first line in the book, you open the first page and all it says is I'm royally fucked. <laughs> like it's just, it's awesome. And so, yeah, he just goes through all these different problems and he approaches everything, you know, one thing at a time. And it's just kind of like the way I like to approach things like, OK, what's the next thing I have to worry about so I can get the whole thing done? And so I was able to relate. And, yeah, it's just a well-written book. Very, very interesting. The movie's also quite good. Hmm. So, uh, yeah, a strong, strong recommend. And actually, with a, a tie-in to stuff we talk about here, the author, whose name I cannot remember off the top of my head right now, is uh, a former Blizzard employee. Oh, I think he worked on Warcraft 2. Ah, cool. So, yeah, very, 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 very cool. Oh, that's um, great. My next one is uh, because of my, well, as you guys well know, and the other times I've been on the show, we've talked about Star Wars. So I'm a big Star Wars fan. I have a Star Wars book podcast. Mm-hmm. So one of my other books uh, of the year is, is a Star Wars book, surprisingly, maybe surprisingly or not surprisingly. And uh, it's actually called Lost Stars. And like it came out, I think, back in early November or September. No, September. It came out in September. And uh, this is kind of part of the whole journey to Force Awakens. So there's all these books that are coming out that are kind of giving us some little tidbits of information of things that happened between the Return of the Jedi and, uh, and the new movie that's mm-hmm. coming out very soon. Mm-hmm. And it's a very cool book. It's kind of like um, it's kind of like a, a lower decks. If you guys are TNG fans, which I'm pretty sure you are, I uh, don't know what you mean by lower decks, though. So there's an episode of Star Trek: The Next Generation called Lower Decks, which is I think in season seven that focuses on a bunch of junior officers. Oh yeah, and how they like you know one of the guys is like Commander Riker doesn't like me and oh, oh my crew. I know which one you mean, and this is so uh, and so to uh, get them to do something, Picard take them out on their mission, and they're like the most the biggest group of misfits ever. No, it may not necessarily be that. Well, one of them is, yeah. There, there's one of them that has to go on this like special mission, and she's kind of a bit of a screw up. And mm. there, Picard, no, they, uh, Picard takes a whole bunch of them out. It's still better than the episode where in uh, Deep Space, in I know what was it, uh, Voyager, where Tuvok had to train a bunch of <laughs> renegade Marquis. <Yeah. laughs> oh, oh they're, yes. the most, they're the biggest bunch of disobedient cunts ever. <laughs> but yeah, this book is cool because it follows basically these two kids that meet when they're very, very young on this backwater planet and one, the boys from the city and the girls from the country and are supposed to hate each other and blah, blah, blah. But they end up like becoming best friends and they go to the Imperial Academy together. So there's this whole like Academy time. They go to like the Imperial prom at one point. It sounds dumb, but it's such <laughs> a well-written book. And these two people, it's like this kind of star crossed lovers, Romeo and Juliet thing, but they're Imperial officers hmm. in the Imperial Starfleet. One's a TIE fighter pilot. One's a star destroyer officer. And they take you through the book starts before uh, A New Hope. Mm. So they're like little kids around kind of in the in-between time between episode three and four. And they take you through basically every major event of the uh, of the the original movies from their perspective. Like the girl was on the Star Destroyer when, you know, the escape pod launched and, you know, uh, 3PO and R2 were on it. And she's kind of like, oh, should we shoot it? And. The, and the, the senior guys are like, I don't know, just leave it be. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they're in the Battle of Hoth and they're in the Battle of Endor. And it just it's it's cool to see all these events from this kind of off to the side perspective. 
Oh, that is nice for the stories that are told so much. I'm sure the extended universe doesn't directly overlap with the movies so much, does it? No, exactly. So it's nice to kind of see these things happening and see, oh, this is what those people that were sitting in those pits on the Star Destroyer that Vader was walking up over, right. you know, they're, they're doing and they're nervous that they're going to get choked. And, you know. and I bet this book had an especially difficult time of balancing out, like, I guess you'd call this extended universe, but they've kind of retconned a whole bunch of the extended universe because of this new movie, haven't they? Yeah, so this is all new stuff. Okay, so, so this is canonical now? Yeah, this is all canonical, so there's no more concept of, of this extended, expanded universe. It's basically everything that comes out is in the story. It all has to work, and I don't know how that's going to work in like 10 years, but right now it's okay. Right. And, you know, some of the books that have come out, there's been quite a few books released already, mm. uh, you know, that are in this new canon. A lot of them, eh, not so good. This one is just really really great and you honestly don't have to be a huge star wars fan to get something out of it because the whole focus is the relationship between these two people and how it kind of goes up and down and things happen to you know cause tension in it and make them hate each other at certain points and make them you know love each other despite the fact that they shouldn't and mm-hmm. blah 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 so lost stars by claudia gray very 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 good book i like the idea of humanizing the bad guys too yeah and it actually does because these are inherently these two are inherently good people Mm-hmm. And it does kind of talk, speak to that of, you know, how could good people be, you know, members of, of the Imperial Navy and do horrible things and commit atrocities. And, you know, a lot of it has to do with their sense of duty and sense of honor and, you know, growing up real, thinking the Empire is good. And even when they realize that it's not saying, well, you know, I made a commitment to this and I swore an oath to obey my my superiors and I'm going to do it. Mm hmm. And, you know, that all plays out. So it's, you know, I, I can say a lot more stuff about it, but it'll it, it'll ruin it. So you should right. check it out. All right. So, well, I think that's good for me. Okay. okay. How about you, dear? Well, keeping in vain with the uh, previous topic, Song of Fire and Ice Book 1, Game of Thrones. Nah. Absolutely. That's the first book in the whole series? Yes. Mm-hmm. And I'm working, and I'm also working my way through Song of Fire and Ice Book 2, Clash of Kings. <laughs> any surprises having seen this, the show? Well, yeah, I'll know exactly what they had for breakfast. Oh, <laughs> a lot more detail. Exactly. Okay. And we'll know how lovingly somebody uh, killed another person. You know, all the details in a minute. Instead of, you know, stab, 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 rip. Smooching and stabbing is what this book seems to me yep. to be full of. Basically, I find the big differences between the books and, and the show is later on. Like, I think season one, book one are pretty, pretty on par. Mm-hmm. I think as you get into, like, season three and four, they start cutting out some sub some kind of side storylines and that the book has a lot of those and it is hard to follow at some points where you know you just have to keep track of all these people and some of them really don't come into play all that much mm-hmm. yeah that often happens in series they start to stray a little bit more from the source material i heard that they're kind of straying relatively far now that there are several seasons in well now they're done yeah, because oh, there's, no book, there's no book. There's no. There's basically they stop after the fifth book because Martin is still uh, on his fat ass writing uh, book six. <laughs> if it's ever going to be done, that lazy guy is only written nine thousand pages. Exactly. <laughs> 
Yeah, that's the thing. So, because I always kind of had this little thing that I got to hold over my wife, because you know I read all the books, so I basically knew what was going to happen before it happened, mm-hmm. and she didn't. And, you know, so things would happen, and I'd know they were coming, and she'd be like, "Oh my god!" I'd be like, "Yep." <laughs> <laughs> well, that's cool that you two watch it together. Uh, Bianca tried to expose me to Game of Thrones, and I couldn't muster up the will to care about it. No, Game yeah. of Thrones does a very good job of exposing itself to everybody. So. Well, my dad sure. watched it, so I have him to talk to. Oh, yeah, he's all caught up, isn't he? Yep. And my brother-in-law, our brother-in-law too. Mm-hmm. And his and Brian's eyes glaze over as soon as the three of us are in the same room when we talk about Game of Thrones. Oh, it's such a refreshing thing for me to call other people nerds. <laughs> I know it's it's like he'll just sit outside looking completely dazed, like we don't he doesn't know what we're talking about. He's like he's the anti-nerd in that case. <laughs> the only case. I'm not anti-nerd. I'm happy you guys have that much in common. The funny thing is, I shouldn't really like Game of Thrones because honestly, I don't generally like fantasy. Like yeah. I'm not a huge Lord of the Rings fan and all that stuff but i think for this because it's not really like as you get in there's more magic but more like supernatural type stuff and so i think it's that yeah i think it's the fact that Mar- that uh, martin doesn't hit you over the head with the magic and the uh, supernatural it's, it's it not just, like fireball fireball <laughs> exactly and it just comes subtle it just comes in small little pieces it's just there it's like it's and, and integrated it part of a natural like, yeah. part of the universe mm-hmm. yeah that's it. And like a lot of the people in the universe don't get it either. They're like, what? No, that's not real. Or like dragons. Oh, they're, they're gone. They're gone forever. Or, yeah, oh, there's. They may have existed one time, but they're dead, 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 dead. Hmm. <laughs> and it's like, oh, did she just stand in the fire and come out looking a wee bit charred? <laughs> that's it. So it's not like, oh, there's a wizard and he's going to cast a lightning bolt. It's like, it's not like that. Like the normal people don't, there, there is no magic. Mm-hmm. Or people don't believe in it. Mm-hmm. So I think that's why it, it appeals to me. And also it's just, you know, well-written, well-acted. Yeah, and instead of being a, complete, a completely fantasy world, it takes it, uh, it uses a medieval setting to establish the fantasy world. So it still has a, more, a familiar, familiar element of a uh, of uh, medieval Europe to it. Mm-hmm. Hmm. And medieval uh, Middle East and stuff like that when you go over to... Uh, What's the other continent called with Bravos? Mm. So they're the Eastern Kingdoms, and what's the other? Yeah, because uh, is it West? Uh, yeah, the seven Eastern Kingdoms. The seven Kingdoms. Yeah, Westeros West is the Eastern Kingdoms. I think is that yeah. it? Mm-hmm. Mm. Okay, so we've done books. I think we should move <laughs> on. Oh, yeah, Brian. Who cares about Brian? Brian doesn't read books. <laughs> <laughs> I read a, I read many books this year, and I can't remember some of them. Which is unfortunate, but the one that I do remember the most of all is Comma Dork by Rob O'Hara. Comma Dork? No, not Comma. No, 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 don't don't trip me up, woman. I I got three <laughs> brain cells and I can't spare a single one. Yeah, then you shouldn't finish the rest of your wine. Then give it to me. I'm already into my second beer, so <laughs> okay, good. You want my wine? You can have it. Okay. <laughs> um, Comma Dork by Rob O'Hara. It's um, it's like old stories of BBSing and piracy and. Adolescence and childhood, all wrapped around the context of being a big fan of computers and computer culture. I love that book like crazy. And there was, even though he's a few year, few years older than I am, it uh, really resonated with me in many ways. A lot of the stories I found very familiar, just save for a few details that might have been a little bit more modern. So I, I love that book like crazy. Um, and it's written like in a, as a personal kind of biographical historical account sort of a thing. Um, and often like reflecting on the significance of the time, knowing what he knows now. So I, I enjoyed that a lot. Um, 
the other thing I'll mention is I'm not that much of a comics guy, but I quite enjoyed. We we were introduced to I don't remember her name now. Oh crap! I can't remember her name. That's terrible. I didn't even write it down. But uh, there's a, a a girl from Texas who met a Japanese guy in uh, a, a Japanese uh, student in college, and they fell in love. And she went on to live with him in Japan, and they got married in Japan. And so she has a YouTube channel and a blog and also a series of comics called Texan in Tokyo. And she's talking about what it's like to uh, be a, a foreigner, a person who is newly arrived in Japan uh, with the American sensibilities and all the little foibles and the ways that she uh, has trouble uh, integrating with their society. So it's really kind of interesting and grounded and uh, a, a well-told series of little vignettes, very short little stories that are just kind of little way, ways that she pokes fun at herself. So mm -hmm. I enjoy it that a lot. It is well drawn, too. Well, it's very simplistically it's, drawn, but it is well done. It's charming. Yeah, because the thing is, you can do a, you can do simple sketch drawings and they can be well done, or you can try and do complicated and it can just be a complete pile of horse crap. Yeah, no, her, her goal, I think, is just that she gets a funny little story in her head and she just wants to jot it down. So she has three books. It's probably about 200 pages or so between mm -hmm. the three books. And it's They're enjoyable. Some, and little essays and stuff, too. Yeah, some essays which are uh, meant or are her commenting on the quirks of Japanese life as a Westerner or just talking about uh, something that she's encountered or some, or just how uh, she's and how something Western suddenly seems so foreign to her after being in Japan for so long. Mm -hmm. What I particularly enjoyed was her was her uh, first-hand experience at uh, being in a Japanese hospital for the first time and having to get medication. It just seems such like such a strange way of going about it. Yeah, that's right. She, she says she's susceptible to being sick and so... In Japan, you don't really go to a doctor's office. You go to a hospital, and they take care of you at the hospital. And it's very rushed. You make appointments or something, and sometimes they don't do everything they need to in one day. So you come back, you make an appointment for another day to continue your checkup and stuff like that. And they send you home with all this medication, and they have this nationalized uh, health plan where you pay a teeny tiny bit of money. And she compares that to America, where like ten hospital visits cost her like a third of what it would cost to go once or something in in America. Kind of neat. So, all the, yeah, it's really interesting kind yeah. of a culture shock account. Mm -hmm. And how it's like a lot of it's not over-the-counter medication that you would get in the States. That's why you have to go to the hospital to get these uh, medications. Yeah, yeah. She said that uh, self-medicating is not something that you really do in Japan. They have like herbal remedies or – Eastern medicine, right? Folksy things. Yeah. Yeah, well, a lot of it is just uh, like uh, bed rest or tea or exercise or something like that to help you get better. Just medication is something that they don't really consider for the vast majority of ailments. And like self-medication is not a thing there really like it is so much in America. It's an old, a whole industry in Canada too. I imagine it probably avoids a lot of the problem of overdosing, which can occur with self-medication because people don't read instructions. And so then you get people in this, then you get places like Health Canada dumbing down the maximum dosage for people who actually know how to read instructions. Right. So we have safety because we have safety measurements because a small segment of gene pool is too stupid to read its um, medical directives or read right, the or abuse it. So like, oh, I'm supposed to take one. If I take fifty, it will be fifty times more effective. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So those are the one. Those are the books that stood out the most in my mind. I know I'm I'm neglecting something good that I must have read this year, and it's just kind of not coming to me. 
actually I hadn't considered comics and, and much like you, Brian, I'm not a huge comic guy, but my, but Chris, my co-host on, uh, on uh, star Wars stacks is a big comic guy. And he got me into a saga. I don't know if you guys have heard of this. series. Oh, I have heard of it. I don't know anything about it. It's by Brian K Vaughn or written by Brian K Vaughn illustrated by Fiona Staples. And it's uh, image comics and it's, I guess because I'm I'm a Star Wars guy, it's, it's kind of a very Star Warsy space opera y kind of thing. But but the world that they created in this in this series is really cool. <coughs> Excuse me, but uh, and um, it basically involves these two groups of people. You know, there's uh, people that live on this planet called Landfall, and they have like these they're they're humans, but they have like little wings coming out of their backs. Hmm. And there's other people, I think, I can't remember if it's from, like, the moon of the planet, and they're they're called Reethers. And they are human, but they have, like, uh, those curly goat horns coming out of their heads. Okay. <laughs> and they hate each other, and there's of a course. war going on. Well, and um, it basically follows this little family of... Uh, one of the the people with the wings and one of the people with the horns, they met and the guy with the horns was a prisoner and she was kind of one of his guards and they fell in love and they had a baby or she got pregnant. Of course. And and they basically had to, they have to escape. Mm -hmm. And the whole series up to this point, I think they're up into volume eight uh, is them kind of running from, uh, you know, from the various uh, authorities and there's bounty hunters chasing them and it's just really cool. And there's all kinds of different races, like the uh, the people that run kind of this empire that some of them are part of are actually robots, but they're sentient <laughs> robots and they like have children and they have sex and like it's it's a very adult comic, but it, it's super interesting. Just the art is great and the world that they create is very interesting. So I highly recommend Saga. Hmm. You can get it on Comixology if you don't like wasting paper. Yeah, I've seen it on Comixology. That's where I'm most familiar. Yeah, with. I would if you. If, I don't know. If, I don't know if Comixology really has sales or anything. But if you can get it, I, I mean, even if do. you have to pay full price, it is really, really compelling, and it actually like got me more into reading comics than I was before. Hmm. Nice to hear. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Well, if we did comics, I could talk a bit about manga, but I figured I'll save that for some other time. That's probably a whole episode. <laughs> sure, yes. it probably is. We have shelves and shelves of her stuff. <laughs> I have three. I have uh, two, like I have two shelves that are taller than me that are full of it. Plus another shelf that comes above my waist. Yeah, plenty. Yeah, I'm glad with uh, Star Wars novels. I'm glad I went to digital at a certain point because yeah, I've got an entire bookshelf. I think I have. Probably almost 200 Star Wars novels or comics or source books or whatever. So mm. we're running out of space for that kind of stuff. I have a stack of Star Trek comics on my desk. Yeah. you. <laughs> where do we buy it? At, the, at BMV or something or a thrift store? Yep. We bought, she got this like big stack of Star Trek Next Generation comics like a year ago, a year and a half ago. She put them in a stack and put them under one of her computer speakers where it's been to this day. And so one of her prop up the speaker. One of her speakers is higher than the other because it's got a bunch of Star Trek comics <laughs> under it, and that's its purpose. Is so that she has to like tilt her head to hear stereo properly. What what what's up with that dude? You know you're gonna read that shit. Yeah. 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 There's like a point zero zero one second delay on one channel now. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, we have a lot of best of categories on our list, don't we? Mm-hmm. 
I mean, hey, if we don't even get to the main topic, that's fine too. This is a lot of fun. All yeah. right. Well, this is fun. Well, let's keep it up in, until we tear each other's heads off or something. Okay. Guess the next one is movies. Best movies. Uh, Joe, take it away. So what have I got for movies? So I, I, I only really considered movies that I saw in the movies. And uh, I might be repeating myself, but one of my favorite movies this year was was the movie version of The Martin starring Matt Martian, starring Matt Damon. Mm. Mm-hmm. Well, I That's just great. pirated it. Oops. Oh, did you? Yeah. We wanted to see it so bad, but we only found it in theaters with 3D, yeah. which is a turnoff for us. So. Not yeah, so much no, for me, me now that I have contact lenses, but I'm also considering Brian when, uh, Brian's feelings you on are? this. Since when? <laughs> Yeah, I guess it's interesting because I don't think I've actually seen – because I had a couple of years back, I, I got lasers shot into my eyes. <laughs> so I don't have to – I was very blind, mm. like minus seven or something. So I, my vision was very poor. I think and, I'm about uh, the same. Yeah, so I think when that was – I got I got the LASIK done and um, I think that was before kind of the huge 3D craze. So that was, I never really had to deal with glasses and 3D glasses. I yeah. had I, We did that for uh, Star Trek Into Darkness. That was awful. The movie yeah, itself it was really good. but And it took us like half an hour just to get used to the stupid glasses. That's true. Mm-hmm. I like that movie. Mm-hmm. I didn't think I would. Yeah, it was good. It was a good movie. And I'm surprised, the, the actors were surprisingly good in their roles. But uh, The Martian, did the movie yeah. uh, live up to the book? It did. I mean, honestly, they really just cut out like two parts, two kind of little sequences. And really those two sequences they cut out were just two additional, you know, obstacles for him to overcome. So you kind of got the point of, okay, well, he overcomes obstacles with science. So, you know, two more of them will just show him overcoming obstacles with science more, Mm -hmm. which in the book, you know, they were interesting. And the way he got went about things was interesting. I think that was always the interesting thing about both the book and the movie is the approaches he would take. And here are the things that I have available. What can I do with them? Hmm. Sounds like something a computer programmer would like. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's 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 just a it's ingenious. I mean, that that's the thing. And, and a lot of it is like, you know, they're eventually NASA figures out that he's alive. Oh, of like, course. OK. Mm-hmm. Of course Spoiler. they do. It has to have a happy ending. It has to be Hollywooded. Yeah, but I mean, even he's still up there, and you know, a lot of stuff happens until he does. You know, eventually, maybe come home or not. I don't want to spoil the end of the movie, but mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, you know, the way they they come up with for communicating with him because you know they had a you know a uplink and whatever, but in this storm that caused them to leave, this uplink got destroyed, so they didn't have direct communication. Mm-hmm. And so all they could do was watch what he was doing through, like, you know, Hubble mm-hmm. or whatever other, you know, satellites they had. And uh, eventually they figure out a way that they can talk to him. But it's kind of this really cool convoluted system. And they have to, up, you know, get code to him so he can make modifications to to some other stuff. And it's like he has to, like, type assembler. And it's, it's actually pretty cool. So yeah, The Martian, and I guess the the only other movie I think I really even saw this year in the theaters was Jurassic World, and I quite enjoyed that as well. That wasn't bad. We saw that too. I think as uh, it was much better than I was expecting it to be. I'm a big fan of the original Jurassic Park, the first one, 1993. Me too. And I found this one was a really great homage to that one. The rest of them in between are like, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I like that they actually turned, they actually had a proper park in it this time. Yeah, because that because I like that as the, as the tribute aspect and the whole ge- playing with genetics was just so interesting that they really expanded on that over the first one. Well, I like mm. I like the whole they've learned so much and yet they've learned nothing kind of a tone to it. Mm-hmm. 
I just well, think I guess, so yeah, appropriate. It's like history repeats itself, right? Because all you want to do is be do it bigger and do it better. And oh, this time we won't make the same mistakes because not. we're smart and we know what we're doing. But yeah. you, do it, you get greedy and you make the same mistakes or you make worse mistakes. And speaking of which, I think this should probably be the last Jurassic Park movie because like what can they do besides do that again? Yeah, besides like make it bigger, you know, and louder. And yeah. It's just going to be not as interesting because, yeah, there was some there was good action, but there were interesting ideas. Yeah, I thought so, too. And I think that's the thing. And I think the big reason I'm a big football, first of all, Jurassic Park came out in 93 and I was like, you know, perfect dinosaur kid age. Yeah, me too. But, you know, I, I've. It's one of the books, the novel, the novelization, or not the novelization, the original novel by Michael Crichton, Crichton, whatever his name is. Crichton, Crichton, yeah. Crichton is uh, is really great, and I always loved his his work because it's so based in science, and you know they have a lot of the underlying you know science in there. I mean, obviously, you know, dumbed down so that idiots like me can understand it. But oh yeah, but the book still has like screenshots and like tables of figures and stuff like that. Like, yeah. It's like the, these little kind of tactile feelies. It's sort of like if the, the, the story is an infocom game, then the little pictures that he puts in are the feelies. Yeah, exactly. There's like these charts and it's like, Oh, here's the progression of this DNA mutation. Mm-hmm. Blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, Oh wow. And, you know that. And I read that and I read the Andromeda strain, you know, pretty regularly. Oh, I haven't read that one, but I love the movie. Oh, the, the the book is is so good, and again, it's the same thing. It's like, oh, here's the propagation of the virus, and here's how it's changing. And mm-hmm. no, it's it's very very well done. And Andromeda Strain is actually a very it's it's about maybe two hundred pages. It's a really fast read. Mm. Oh man, I have that on my shelf. What am I waiting for? Oh, I strongly have recommend. Have Yeah, <laughs> I I gotta get that. Yeah, I like Michael Crichton a lot. Mm-hmm. R.I.P. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, those are, those are kind of the big ones for me. I mean, I could start thinking through a bunch of Netflix, but honestly, we're more TV people on Netflix. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we've never even really been movie people. Although we splurged, it was on. Was it when I was taking vacation or something that we saw Jurassic World? We saw that in luxury. Yeah. We went to uh, VIP VIP theater. Yeah, that's oh. where I'm seeing Star Wars. Oh yeah, that's the way to do it. That's so. Oh yeah, so that's this is the other thing. So I, I oh that will th- be your. Th- this is this is casting forward, and I'm I'm hoping with all hope mm-hmm. that my movie of the year is going to um, that I, is the movie I'm going to see next Friday. Oh, I hope so. Is that opening day? It's well, I guess te- technically opening day is Thursday because it's midnight somewhere. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I'm gonna I'm I'll be seeing Star Wars Episode Seven: The Force Awakens tomorrow uh, Friday, the 18th at 11:15 a.m. and in the VIP theater, taking the day off work. Excellent. Nice. That's the way. Yeah. So I'm going to go check it out. And then I'm already seeing it again on Sunday with my wife and my, my parents who are coming up for the holidays. <laughs> Excellent. Well, so well, it better be good because I'm already seeing it twice. I hope so. Well, best of luck to you. I I feel like so, so gun shy now after seeing the new trilogy that I it, Star Wars is almost dead to me because of that. I love the original trilogy so, so, so much. And the following trilogy was such a letdown for me that uh, – I will wait for a while to see the new one, I'm thinking. Yeah, I mean, it, it seems to me like all signs point to yes kind of a thing of, you know, that they're doing the right things and a lot of it's making sense. And, you know, they're really keeping in mind, like, you know, what we loved about Star Wars and what makes it special. And yeah. it's not, you know, trade disputes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Fingers crossed. 
We can only yeah, hope. so we can only hope. So yeah, I, hopefully, you know, next time I'm on, I'll be able to look back and say, "Oh, you know what? When I said that, I hope to, I hope to all hope that Star Wars was going to be my movie of the year, and that I'll be able to say yes." I hope so. Well, you'll have to follow up with us so that we can we can state on your behalf yeah. on the show. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, just follow. I'm sure you'll. I, I will be saying something on Twitter. No spoilers. <laughs> Guess I'll take my turn. If um, yeah. you have any more, nope. Okay. Well, I know it was released in the 70s, but I hadn't seen it until this year because reasons. The Godfather. Oh, yeah. What a, Amazing. What a Amazing. movie to see for the first time. Mm-hmm. I mean, I wasn't expecting, you know, fabulous cinema, but it was just because it's not really, an, it's less of an action movie and more of a, uh, a drama. I oh, mean, there is action. So. It's a drama with some action sequences. Exactly. Yeah, sort of. And so. Very little action, but the action that happens is like significant. Mm hmm. So this, so for this reason, I found that the cinema, the uh, the camera work and the cinematography didn't age too badly because a lot of it is focused on just uh, gen, uh, just focused on the actual story itself rather than these uh, high impact scenes that require you know amazing cameras to show all the definition and details of the explosion and the guy's head falling off. Right. No, it's a story of a family more than. Yeah, anything. more than anything. Mm-hmm. A story of a family and a story of, of a member of that family that doesn't want to be part of what they are, but ends up being, you know, the epitome of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so we saw the second one, too. Yep. Which I, which, which I would argue might even be better. It was terrific, I thought. Both were terrific. I liked the first one more. I liked both of them. I love the progression of the story, how it just felt natural. Yeah, when I was they're in, almost they're almost one movie. They are one movie, basically. Like if you really want to yeah. watch them. When I was in high school in our media class, we watched the first half of the sequel and then the the original and then the second half of the sequel, which is the chronological telling. And that was an interesting way to see it too. Mm-hmm. It puts things into context. Next on my list is Miyazaki's last official movie. I'm sure he's going to be working on more, but this was Ooh. his last one. And it's uh, The Wind Rises. It starts off uh, with, it starts off in the uh, 20s with a uh, young man in his dreams of developing a, uh, a new type of airplane. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was like an engineer. Mm-hmm. An engineer and he goes through school and uh, he starts off in the bottom of the company and he just doesn't, a lot of his ideas are ignored, but by the time the war comes around, he ultimately winds up being the person who designs the Zero. His ideas gets turned into the Zero. And part of his influence comes from one of the uh, earlier trained uh, engineers who designed one of the original trains. Hmm. Just, I just thought it was just such beautiful cinematography. Oh, the animation is just like mm-hmm. to die for. It's so subtle and touching. It's very beautiful, this movie. Mm-hmm. So the the zero being like the, the premier Japanese fighter aircraft of World War Two. That, yeah, the zero. Yeah, yeah, but they don't really show much of that. They just show the uh, this, him uh, working with others to design it, and there's somewhat of a uh, romantic story in between with him and some poor girl and some girl who uh, is rooting for him and his designs, and they originally meet with her painting on a hill, which is the movie mm-hmm. poster. Exactly. Yeah, yes, I, I actually yeah. just googled it. This looks very interesting, actually. It's really good. Um, oh, just the animation is just mm-hmm. like sumptuous. It's it's very like loving detail. Because honestly, I think the only Miyazaki movie I've seen is Spirited Away. Yeah, that's a really good one too. Oh, that is. That's such an imaginative movie. Mm-hmm. This one is a lot more like grounded in reality, and it's only slightly comical and slightly. Yeah, they actually caricature. refer to it on, on Wikipedia as like a, a historical drama. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would say so. 
And it's uh, it's interesting that they kind of omit what the planes were going to be used for. It's so much right. more just about the love of engineering and the passion of accomplishing great things with limited resources and uh, the ever uh, the uh, ever present challenge of making the plane like a minimum. Like bring it down to its minimum weight so that it can accomplish certain things while yeah, keeping its uh, Hensel strength. Yeah, tensile strength, strength. And making sure that it, it used the strongest material with the least amount of weight. So basically, the, it's all about getting this plane off the ground and getting it to new heights. And the fact that the engineer didn't want it to be used for this stuff made him regret it when and uh, drove. And ultimately, the story is based around it drove the, the uh, person who it's really who's the story is based around to uh, design something for the better of humanity. So he focused on developing better trains. I think he was uh, bullet trains. Mm. Mm-hmm. So very oh, wow. nice story. The, uh, the English cast is. Uh, oh, we saw it. studded. <laughs> oh, is it? We we saw it uh, subtitled. Yeah, oh, I yeah, can't. No, English, I had too like many a... bad experiences with dubbed. Oh yeah, Miyazaki's yeah, no, movies are like uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, Emily Blunt, John Krasinski, Martin Short, William H Macy. Mm. Like, there's people in this. Mandy Patinkin, yeah. Stanley Tucci. Did Miyazaki do? What's the one with the 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 wolf, wolf girl and the four spirits and? Uh, uh, Princess Mononoke. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, was that his? Yeah, that had like yeah, Claire yeah. Danes and stuff. Yeah, so he, he, his movies usually draw. The, the the dubbed versions usually draw big Hollywood actors, but so uh, I guess this the Studio Ghibli and that's it, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh, that's, uh, that's kind of like the I guess they're that's like the the mainstream, you know. Uh, yeah, they're the Disney basically of Japan. Yeah, like that's the stuff that really gets big distribution in the U.S. Right. or in North America. Yeah, mm-hmm. or the English speaking world, or whatever you want to call it. But you know, when people when you ask someone who isn't really into this kind of thing. If yeah. they know what they'll say, oh yeah, I know Princess Mononoke, or I know Spirited Away, or that's right. We need to watch more of his movies again. Yep. We watch old ones. Okay, he's so talented. He has such a love for like nature and Japanese culture. It's mm-hmm. just so nice to see that in such a positive light. Yeah, I did see another animated film that was really good. It didn't make I. I contemplated whether or not I should put it on my list, but I guess I'll mention it anyways. Sure. Um, up on Poppy Hill, just another really good one. I had an interesting story. They were it was an old building in this uh, school, and um, oh yeah, that was nice. Mm-hmm. Was that Miyazaki too? No. Oh, okay. And uh, it was the uh, it was just uh, it originally was the clubhouse, the boys' clubhouse, and so all the boys' clubs gathered in there, and it was just this huge wreckage of a uh, dilapidated building that was about that was threatening to collapse in on itself and the school was going to tear it down. Um, it's basically, it was set in the 50s. Uh, the reason that they're meant, it's, we know that it's set in the 50s is... Um, oh, when they go to town? Yeah, and uh, that they make reference to these uh, flags that are raised every day by the uh, female protagonist. They're uh, Navy oh, flags she raises. Oh, that's right. Waiting for the... Father to return from, from the war. You're right. Mm-hmm. Which is such a nice thing, actually, when a lot of these anime movies uh, have, when they're about rural uh, rural communities, they have such a timeless quality about them that it almost doesn't matter what the time period is. And you learn kind of what the time period is like a third of the way through, and it has some bearing on it, but not too much. Mm-hmm. Or they're about how like the, the modern times encroach on the timeless quality of rural living and how that's a boon and a tragedy. Mm-hmm. So basically, the uh, these two protagonists team uh, tag team up 
to uh, help clean up this old building and persuade the school's uh, administration to not tear it down by showing that they that they were able to restore the boys' clubhouse and they made, and they opened it to the girls as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was a very sweet story. Mm-hmm. And let's see, my and veering away from anime, I actually put this one down: the imitation game. Yes. Mm-hmm. I thought it was okay. I actually quite liked it. I thought it was. I thought it was well done. I thought it was kind of heavy-handed. Some things like happen very conveniently, or some dilemmas would come up very conven- conveniently. But it was a good. It was it's good a movie, of course. Part. Stuff's going to happen very conveniently. The heavy-handed stuff I thought didn't really have to happen. Like, oh, we're, we have information about this one, this one military maneuver that's happening, and one guy speaks up. Oh, my brother's in that one. Like, mm-hmm. come on, <laughs> that that wasn't necessary. But it's a, it's an interesting story about an important person who is mm-hmm. shunned politically. So it's yeah. nice to see him get his posthumous uh, recognition. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I guess we'll. Well, I guess we deserve uh, one mention of. Uh, oh, of what, the, the worst film. The worst film that we saw ever. this year. I think we're probably agreed on the worst movie we saw this year. Why don't you reveal it? Street Fighter. <laughs> Oh, you guys only saw Street Fighter this year? Yes, we did. We, I avoided it. I was the biggest Street Fighter fan, but I heard about, I heard about the movie and decided to avoid it. The only, it only had one redeeming quality. Raul Julia. Yeah. The only one who actually put his arse into his friggin' acting. The rest of them so were there for the paycheck, and you could totally smell it a mile away. He was so great. And, and apparently, so I don't know, I, I heard this somewhere, and I don't know if it's entirely true, but I, I'm... I tend to believe it. So this was Raul Julia's last movie. Yes, yes it was. They dedicated it to him. Yeah. And uh, I think the reason that he did this movie was for his kids. Yes. Like he knew he was dying. Mm-hmm. I think he had cancer or something like that. And he knew he was dying and he really wanted to do it. So because his kids love Street Fighter and he had this opportunity to do this movie. And he dragged himself in every day mm-hmm. to you know, do this, do this movie. And, and he was literally dying while this movie was being filmed. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, watching it maybe with, with, with that in mind that he kind of did this as part of his legacy for his kids to, to make them remember him doing something they loved kind of makes it less awful. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, that's right. And I mean, even not knowing that like Raul Julia totally like choose the scenery. He's like, He's just such a such a like vivacious, vibrant kind of an actor who like it's, really it's plays what the I hell out of it. Bison would be like, you know? Yeah, I suppose so. Very megalomaniacal. Jean-Claude with his fucking French accent playing an American. Oh, fucking French oh. style! Give me a break, man. <laughs> the the all-American boy. Oh, the French accent! I could not get by it. There was a lot I couldn't get by. Ryu and Ken are like arms smugglers. Ryu. <laughs> oh, yeah, Ryu. Ryu is what they called him, of course. <laughs> Everybody was just wrong in that whole movie. Yeah, it wasn't really proper. Like, it just didn't make sense. I I remember, I think I saw it when we had, uh, back in the day, we had one of those, you know, get pay-per-view for free boxes. Yeah, yeah. So I saw all these movies. I didn't actually go see it in the movie theater. I didn't rent it. It was just on pay-per-view. So (laughs) I watched it and I enjoyed it for what it was. And I was sitting in my house and we didn't pay any money for it. Mm -hmm. I thought, oh, this is a dumb movie, but it was entertaining. Sure. So I have like a, a slightly more positive view on it. It's not a good movie by any means, but I guess, you know, as Jean-Claude Van Damme movies go, it's not bad. <laughs> that may be. Oh, well, I do have to give props, though, to the costumes. 
which are really, really great. They are very much like the arcade game come yeah. to life. Yeah, oh, not until like the accurate. last, mo- not until like the last bit of the uh, movie. Sort of. Then. And in the last bit of the movie, where everybody's fighting for each other for some reason, they like do some of the moves. And I'm <laughs> like, oh, it does that in the game. Okay, I'm over it. But that was that was cool anyway. So visually, it had some good stuff going on. But boy, was that a idiotic movie. Yeah, they saved all the good stuff for the uh, thirty minutes of everything yeah. going exploding. Yeah. Exploding. Yeah. Traditionally, video game movies are pretty poor, and this one is you know no no exception really. Hmm. Pretty lousy. All right, is that your movies? Yep. All right, my movies. I've got another Raul Julia movie, and I think he's like my actor of the year. Let's say I'm I'm, I'm real late on that, but I have nothing. Even but, though he's not alive, I know I have enormous respect for the guy. We saw both Adams Family movies. Oh, those are great. Which yeah. I thought would be idiotic because they're resurrecting some stupid old old sitcom, but they were terrific. And the second one, Adams Family Values, I was just like laughing. All the time. Both of them, really. Yeah, they were good. I was just laughing, like, nonstop. I couldn't believe it. It was just such a... They were so very well done. But, of course, uh, Gomez Adams, played by Raul Julia, is just, like, everything. He's so, so great. And he's uh, he's all, like, happy and energetic and enthusiastic. And the rest of his family is all pretty, like, somber and, uh, and uh, like, downplayed. So Although... It's a fun contrast. Morticia is more... Is more... She's more like thoughtful, and but she's mm-hmm. she's still very subtle. She's subtle, but thoughtful subtle, as opposed to the kids who are just plain damn morose. Mm-hmm. Wednesday. Oh, Wednesday's cool. Yeah, that's uh, Christina Ricci. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, she's young, young Christina Ricci. Yeah. Yes, so I, I love that. I love that movie, Adam's Family Values. Uh, both and of them. Lurch, the same guy that plays Mr. Hom in Star Trek: The Next Generation. Oh yeah. I didn't even realize that. That's uh, Laksana's oh. assistant. Yeah, I, it's the same guy. I was like, he looks... And it's the same part, isn't it? Yeah. Basically, he's the, the, the tall, quiet butler. That's right. Qual, tall, qual, tall, quiet butler who occasionally grunts. Yeah, that's yeah. right. He occasionally gets drunk. <laughs> that's too funny. I didn't even... I, I That didn't even dawn on me. That was obvious, too. Oh, that respect. was so obvious. Well, oh. it was funny. So in preparation for, for episode seven, we're wife and I are watching, you know, the, the original trilogy. So we watched Empire Strikes Back last night. And I always love the scene in, in, uh, at Echo Base on Hoth where uh, John Ratzenberger is there. Mm-hmm. Oh, remind yeah, me, but, what, what happens in that scene? He's just basically like, all right, everybody, get to your stations, let's go. Like, it's nothing, but it's, it's Cliff oh, Clavin yeah. from Cheers, right? So oh, okay. The rebel soldier. Uh-huh. We're probably I love overdue. that little stuff when you notice people like, oh, that's that guy from that thing, and... Or I, I like it when you notice after because it doesn't take you out when you're watching it. But after when you find out, you're like, oh, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. We, we we need to see the original trilogy again. I could watch the whole thing, no problem. Although I would really love to see the versions that aren't spoiled by CGI and stuff. The original VHS versions that I remember from my childhood. Yeah, so, you know, interestingly, if you Empire Strikes Back is actually the, the least modified of the three movies. There's very little that's changed in Empire. Hmm. There's a couple of d- additional Wampa scenes added. And actually, those were not... I'm not sure if those were even reshot or if they were original footage that they cut. Hmm. And then they just added, like, a couple of small scenes in, like, Cloud City where you, like, see Leia through the window and, like, the Falcon flying into Cloud City. Like, it's nothing. It's not, like, it's yeah. not the dance number from uh, Oh, Return gosh. How could they? It's no, there's no fart jokes. Oh, how could they? What? Freaking George Lucas. 
Go away, George Lucas. You're done. <laughs> well, he's gone away, so okay, that's good. why. That, that's that's I think what is what is giving people and including myself a new hope, hope or hope for the a new hope. Yes, exactly. <laughs> right. Wah, wah. <laughs> Sorry, I had to. <laughs> All right. Uh, another great movie that we saw recently, and it was a Netflix one, and I don't remember whether I saw it earlier or not, but it was The Devil's Advocate mm-hmm. with um, Keanu Reeves and Al Pacino. Yeah, another good one. Yeah, that was awesome. That I was know. so good. Both of them were fantastic. Cool. Like Keanu Reeves, we we watched both Bill and Ted's movies this year. The first, <laughs> the first one was a lot better than the second one. Which one? Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure and oh, Bill and Ted's Bogus so Journey stupid. with the evil robots from the future and stuff. Oh, uh, it was a stupid movie. <laughs> the first one, but is yet phenomenal. that somehow wasn't a stupid Street Fighter. No, it wasn't the stupidest Street Fighter, was it? I know. I think, I think it's because Street Fighter was taking <laughs> itself seriously and Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure was not. That's a good point. Yeah, Bill and Ted's Bogus Adventure totally doesn't take itself seriously, which is why it's to- which is why it's tolerable as a stupid movie. Yes. Oh, Devil's Advocate was phenomenal. I really enjoyed that a lot. The last one I'll mention, I don't think it came out this year either, but it, it might have come out last year. It's a movie called It's Such a Beautiful Day by Don Hertzfeld. It's an animated movie. <laughs> and he's a great animator. Don Hertzfeld, um, he was, I think he came to fame, whatever fame he has, from a bunch of shorts. It's called Rejected. And they were, I don't know if this is real or not, but uh, the premise is that he was asked by like the USA Family Channel to make a bunch of little shorts that were like station identification things. And they're all really gory and horrible and there's no way that they, he would ever be accepted for these things. They're really, really funny. Um, and they're really cool animation, like high frame rate, but simple, simple characters. So it looks really smooth and kind of otherworldly. Um, he since then like went on to do uh, like a traveling roadshow sort of a thing with Mike Judge of like best animation of the year uh, compilations, uh, like an animation festival. I forget what it's called. But uh, this one, it's such a beautiful day. It was like uh, three shorts kind of put together and they're contiguous. Uh, it's in, in total, it's like an hour and a half or an hour and 20 minutes or so. And I thought it was just going to be like a funny, silly, good time kind of a thing. But I actually cried at the end because it's beautiful. It tells a very like uh, a very beautiful, sad story. And it was very kind of thoughtful and philosophical. I enjoyed it very, very much. So I totally recommend that. I saw it on Netflix. It's on there still. It's even on the, the, the gimped Canadian Netflix. Mm-hmm. Which apparently doesn't that have uh, Star Wars, but the U.S. Netflix doesn't? Oh, yeah. So I heard the Canadian Netflix uh, is uh, licensed to show the new Star Wars movie whenever it comes out. Yes. Yeah, the yeah, U.S. Yeah, yeah, Netflix yeah. doesn't. So it'll be the first time in history the USA uses a proxy to see someone else's Netflix. <laughs> That's pretty funny. <laughs> All right. Uh, where should we go now, babe? guess we'll... Well, do we want to talk about the best anime cartoon or sh- and or show that we've seen this year? Oh, Joe mentioned one or two shows to me when we when we hung out. Okay, so uh, why, why don't you start, Joe? Uh, yeah, so I guess the stuff that I was thinking of, I, I'm still on the. I, I'm I got Star Star Wars on the brain this week, so <laughs> why not? The, the stuff that I I thought of was the ending of Clone Wars and uh, the beginning, or a little bit past the beginning of Rebels. Okay. Which I'm not sure if Clone Wars ended. I, it, Clone Wars may have ended last year, but I only watched them this year. And I know a lot of people got turned off to Clone Wars initially because it was very kiddie. Mm-hmm. 
and the animation wasn't necessarily great, but it was one of those shows that really grew as you went through the seasons and season, I would say kind of most of season four and then all of season five and six are just brilliant. Like they are really, really good. There's a lot of interesting story. There's a lot of interesting character stuff. There's a lot of interesting, you know, it goes dark, it goes light. It, it, it's just really well done. And especially the last, the last season, which is uh, a Netflix only season actually. Ah. Because it was uh, it was canceled, I guess, before when the whole Disney thing went down. Ah. And uh, so they put out this this last season just on Netflix, and it really does feed right into episode three, especially the last. And there's these nice little story arcs where, you know, one of the clones starts going nuts because the Order 66 programming he has in his brain, like, triggered at the wrong time, and he started, like, shooting at the Jedi and no one understood what was going on and they were put, they had him in like basically psychiatric evaluation and like, and there's all this like foreshadowing of like what, you know, is going to happen at the end of episode three. Hmm. And you know, you're kind of like, Oh, this is crazy. Like all the signs are there. You guys know this is going to happen, but you're not seeing it. And like all this other stuff. And there's like this cool arc with Yoda and he has to go to like Korriban, which is like the Sith home world. And mm-hmm. it's just like, it's all really, really, really cool and then that kind of leads into the new show star wars rebels Mm, that's another animated one yeah it's it's by it's actually by the exact same people but it's kind of the thing now the new thing they launched after the disney acquisition and this instead of being like clone wars was between episode two and three this is between episode uh three and four okay so so this is like that 20 year gap where the empire is on the rise and you know, this is like basically the beginnings of rebellion. You follow this little group that, and now, you know, the first season's over and basically into the second season, you start to see the the kind of the beginnings of an organization of a rebellion happening. And again, some of it's a little bit because it's a, it's on Disney XD. It's still a little bit aimed towards kids, mm-hmm. but you know, there are some episodes that are more juvenile and then some that are not. And, and so it's, it's really, really quite interesting. So yeah, if, if, if you're into Star Wars and you're into it's all CGI, it's like, you know, not animated, animated, but mm-hmm. but it's cool. And it has that same kind of aesthetic as, as Clone Wars did. It's not super realistic, but it has a style. OK, well, it's nice that they start to fill in the blanks between the movies, at least. And it's not just a series that kind of goes nowhere. Yeah, I know. And it, it has. I mean, at the end of the day, you know where it's going to have to end up. But, you know, they, they get their in an interesting way. Oh, sure. Well, 20 years is a long time to establish a yeah. lot of story. Oh yeah. And I mean, and like, you know, Vader's in this now and ah. you know, like it's, it's interesting. And then you have the kind of these two Jedi, like one of them is, he was basically a, a Padawan when everything happened. And so he's not completely trained and he found, and they ended up, you know, throwing in with this street urchin kid who's also force sensitive and the, you know, the J- Jedi who isn't a Jedi is trying to train the kid who's force sensitive and they're trying to fight Vader. And so basically it's like, you know, hitting, you know, hitting the raid boss when you're like, you know, level two kind yeah, of a thing. Right. <laughs> it's like basically all they can do is, is run away and not get murdered. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's quite interesting. And the other so and, and the only other cartoon I'm going to talk about is a bit of an interesting one. Uh because I've actually started watching The Simpsons again. Oh yeah, the the new stuff or rewatching old stuff? 
Uh, I, basically, what I've done is I, I started poking around. I went onto like you know the Wikipedia episode listing, and I went back until I stopped recognizing episode titles. Hmm. And I'm trying to watch from there. Okay. And, oh, you think, have a gap. So yeah, I'm basically. I think now I'm in like season 14, which is like 2002. Yeah, you got quite a ways to go if you haven't watched it in that long. Oh yeah, I mean I've watched it off and on, but not really. So there's some where I'm like, oh yeah, I kind of remember this one, and then others where I'm like, oh no, I've never. Never seen this one before. And the, the main reason for that is actually because of Simpsons Tapped Out. Oh, really? Yeah. Like I, I got I, – I had started playing Tapped Out when it first came out because I'm like, oh, I like the Simpsons. Let me see. But it was super flaky when oh. it first started. Like the servers were overloaded or like it, it was just not a reliable experience. So like – It was you know, crazy popular. Yeah. So you try and log into the game and it would – you know, the servers would time out and whatever. So I put it aside and then some guys at work were like, Hey, we're playing tapped out. I'm level 50, whatever. I'm like, Oh, I should try that again. And it's, it's my toilet game. You know? <laughs> like I just it's a toilet game. And you do yeah. very little, you tap and you wait. Yeah, exactly. I don't, yeah, I don't, I don't like donuts. I don't do whatever. So, mm-hmm. so yeah. And, and so that kind of said, you know, and there were some references and tapped out. I'm like, Oh, I don't really get this reference. I must've missed something. So, uh, huh. Yeah, that, so, uh, that game does a good job of that kind of stuff. By the way, I I, I only played that game very re- briefly because it didn't really do it for me. But because it synchronizes online with your EA Origin account, if I if memory serves, um, if you ever play with uh, Android or yeah, I guess it has to be an Android emulator. Oh, like you have, you have a Mac, so I think if you're a developer, you can. Yeah, I emulate. have. Well, I have the whole. I was a. I had a, a, an official Apple developer license for a while, so I have Xcode and the iOS simulator. Oh, there you go. So if that gives you access to the store, I don't know if you can download apps and run them other people's apps on there. But uh, I used an Android emulator and uh, ran that game in, on uh, my PC, like in great big widescreen. And when you're clicking it with a mouse, it's still like pretty pleasurable. It's a really cool. nice presentation of it. That's a good way to play it. it and I think that's the thing well. I like. Like there, It does have that like, oh, let me just tap some stuff mindless whatever mm-hmm. but th- they they do really pay a lot of attention and you can tell the people that are you know doing the art and doing the whatever like it's all real assets it's all it's not like some third party group that doesn't get it yeah even the writing seems like uh, consistent with the tone yeah no and that's why i like it like you can tell they're really putting effort into this and it is making me interested in the simpsons which i haven't really watched for probably a good 5 6 7 8 years wow it's probably. I bet you that app is more profitable than the show. No, oh, I guarantee for sure. Yeah. No, you could say it's one of those games. You could spend thousands of dollars in this game without realizing it. Oh yeah, people do. So yeah. Anyways, it's not something that like it's not a game I'm proud to, to say that I play, but you know, it's one of those things, and it's fun. It's better than the game I'm sitting here playing right now. As a matter of fact, I'm tapping away on my Android. I never mentioned this maybe for shame in my shame. in my what I've been playing list, but. I'm playing a game called Virtual Beggar, which is a game where you beg people walking down the street for money. And I've been playing it for three months. And so now I have a guy in a stylish pompadour wearing sunglasses, like a a fancy uh, dinner jacket and pants and shoes made out of solid gold, begging for money in front of my mansion. (laughs) That's awesome. He has seven employees and he gets all the profits. Yeah, that's right. I have a lawyer and a doctor working for me and an engineer. It's really stupid. It's so stupid. <laughs> I'm going to take a screenshot. I'm going to put this into the show notes today. <laughs> that is awesome. It's moronic. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's it for me. All right. Go for it, baby. Okay. Uh, 
first one, mm. I guess, that I think that at this point, and seeing that we've established a pattern for me, would anyone care to guess what my first one is? Uh, Game of Thrones. <laughs> yep, Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones, wait, that is a, oh yeah, that's a show. Yeah, and I guess we are, everyone knows what it is, but at this point, so we'll go into the next one. <sighs> Tonari knows Seikai Kun, the master of killing time. Oh, that was so cute. That was the 10 minute show or whatever. Yeah. This was an anime that had that was ten minutes long, and it was it had almost no. The only dialogue it had was the with the girl's internal dialogue, and she watched this male classmate of hers find way to completely ignore what the teacher was talking about during class, and just build, and just waste time doing this mindless garbage. And he would do all these different things in class, and she and she was doing her best to get him to pay attention without drawing the teacher's attention to her. And letting the teacher know that she wasn't paying attention. Yeah, she would like defend and stick up for the guy or whatever, or try to help him so that he can continue to waste time and ignore the teacher while sitting at his desk. Yeah, it's so cute. It's all these little so shorts. Cute. Um, let's see. And her, I like her internal dino, Her internal like monologue was like, "What's he doing? He's gonna get caught." No. Yeah. Like all this, she has these extreme, <laughs> extreme feelings and stuff mm-hmm. while uh, the guy wasting time is like oblivious, but totally clever. oblivious. Yeah. Very cute. Yeah. Next on the list, high school, say hi girls. This was interesting. It uh, featured uh, three female protagonists representing like a, the. It was like anthropomorph- anthropomorphic ver- uh, representations oh, yeah. of three Sega consoles. Yeah, that's right. What was it? The the Mega Drive, Dreamcast, <laughs> and Saturn. I think and Saturn. Except they're they're these like anime women. And <laughs> okay. and it's not and it's like and it kind of looked like. Um, Hmm. I would say the design was cl- was is, was very close to the average Dreamcast game design in terms of how it looked. Like think uh, Channel Five and Space other Channel 5. yeah Space Channel Five and other games like that. Yeah. So it was anime style without being your typical cartoon and had more of a computer look to it. It was very and, video gamey, especially the like scenery video gamey, cell shady sort of. Yeah. Yes. It's a good way to put it. And then every week they like special. They like look into a different video game. It was like the drink your Ovaltine of video games. Of, of shows, basically. It yeah. was like a big commercial for Sega. <laughs> it was <laughs> But they had, strange. like, Virtua Fighter um, uh, and a couple of others. I've only watched a few episodes, and I really like it. I got to finish watching it. It's weird. It's very weird. I don't really know what the point of it was exactly. Yeah. And the final one on my list is an actual anime, which Brian never watched, because he would be a jackass, and he would make fun of it, because it actually had... A bit of a story and some sap to it. One Week Friends. This was an interesting story. I don't remember this. Of course you don't. I watched it when you weren't here because you would have been a huge asshole. Oh, that's smart of you. Yeah. It's smart of me to make sure I wasn't watching it when you were here. Yes. So this was uh, about, um, once again, male-female characters at the protagonist. The girl would cl- claim that she couldn't have friends because she would not remember them after a week. But... Um, she remembered everybody else, teachers, family. It didn't matter. But it was just friends she couldn't remember. But this one guy was determined to be friends with her despite this. So every week, he, uh, for the first few episodes, every week, he would come up to her and say, Hi, would you like to be friends? And then we'd eat lunch together. And then after the first week of, after the first couple of weeks doing this, he realized that he could get her to keep a journal. And he thought that he could help her recover her memory, her uh, lost memories, and help her start to remember people if she kept this journal. And it actually worked out to be successful for her because she could uh, recall what happened, and it would and it acted as a uh, memory source for her. 
and it's and I won't go into too much detail since it actually might spoil the story. But I thought it was really well done, and it wasn't too cheesy. It just, of course, there's just it was set in high school. I know, I know, high school kids, but they actually had parents and everything. <laughs> you know, no orphan children doing running around in mystical universes. Okay. I just I just enjoyed that. That was a really cute one. There's a few others, but I'm going to limit myself. Okay. And now... Me? You, for some reason. For some reason. For some reason. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We, we watched some shows this year. We watched the whole original Star Trek, the whole, all three seasons of it, which was mostly very good and occasionally pretty stupid. But for the most part, I really liked it a lot. A lot more than I thought I would even. Yeah. Um, and we're watching The X-Files now. We're in the first season, which I'm kind of so-so about, but I'm sure it gets better. Yeah. Um, but the show that I've kind of enjoyed more than any other is one called The Mind of a Chef. And it's uh, it's not a cooking show, It's but it's about like... Uh, it's a, a show about cooking. Kind of, yeah. So it's a, or about being a chef as well. Yeah, it's, more, it's, it's more about cooking, I guess, than about being a chef, where they have one chef, um, I think, I don't remember his name now, David something. Um, they had one chef, the first the first chef that they had for several episodes, for 10 episodes or so, was a Korean guy who talks a lot about Asian ingredients and philosophies and cooking and uh, influences from other cultures and stuff like that. Um, and the next guy was from, uh, uh, I forget if he was from Georgia or something like that, southern USA, and talks about that kind of stuff and about the importance of like heirloom vegetables and seeds and and uh, agriculture and stuff like that. And now I'm watching one uh, another one uh, another chef who is from England who studied in the USA and is back to England again now. It's just a really beautifully shot show, and they talk to a lot of different people and get a lot of different opinions. And there's a really nice camaraderie between chefs and restaurant owners and stuff. And they talk so enthusiastically about their craft. It's a really beautiful show. I'm quite enjoying watching that. It's on Netflix, too. Uh, that's all I got for shows. Okay. Ooh, we actually we actually randomly started a... Uh, or inadvertently started a, a Next Generation rewatch. So. Oh, nice. We've done... How many times have we watched that whole series? Twice? I think I've watched it four times. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, and that's not including watching it as a kid. That, right. That's such a phenomenally good show. And I, I got so much more enjoyment of my memories of... Next Generation, having seen the original series now. Have you seen the original series, Joe? Oh, absolutely, yeah. We waited until this year to see it. I tried to get Bianca to watch it a few times, but she wasn't having any of that. You have to get over the, you know, the effects and and stuff like that. But I the mean, gorn. The, oh, the, the gorn. fact that the Klingons are a bunch of fucking pussies. The Gorn. <laughs> the Klingons, yeah, they're very, they, they change a lot, don't they? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're kind of like smiley and stuff at the beginning <laughs> yeah they're they they kind of have to hit their stride as who they are yeah they look but they I mean, act too many they, they were acting too much like ferengi yeah yeah they're kind of snivelly that's true but yeah i just found like the original series like once you got over a bunch of, of that stuff like the a lot of the acting is quite good you know the, the stories are very interesting and like a lot more than you remember like if you had seen it or you saw it when you were younger because i when i was a kid i was always like oh this is the one that doesn't look as good as next generation mm. yeah that's that's kind of how we thought of it for too long as well but, but there's uh, like a lot of character stuff especially with spock and yeah oh he's fantastic mm-hmm. the three main characters all shows basically about Spock, Kirk, and McCoy. Yeah, everyone else. Like, TNG is definitely more of an ensemble. Like, everyone gets their episodes, you know, for better or for worse. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Which is nice. 
Yeah, like I, we just today we just watched Night Terrors, which is Troy floating in a dream, going, "Where are you?" Which oh, is, that was just kind of annoying. Yeah, that was like I find the the, the Troy episodes and the Crusher episodes aren't very good. Yeah. Crusher episodes aren't too bad, but the Troy ones are all about about her cerebral experiences and her being a big crybaby. That's true, or her her mom, mother. Her mother's okay. Big, the ones with her mother. Are those bad. ones are funny. Those her, ones are her big fat Greek naked wedding. <laughs> yeah. Uh, her mother makes her Detroit episodes worthwhile. Her mother kind of outstayed her welcome in the series, I thought. You get so much of her between Deep Space Nine and and Next Generation. I had my, my fair share of, of her. Although, but she's great anyway. Yeah, although I'm glad she finally got herself covered in goo in one episode. Did she get covered yeah. in goo? Yeah, she picked. She carried Otto in her skirt. Oh, that's right. Oh, yeah, Bucket right. boy. <laughs> they got stuck in the elevator. The great bucket adventure, yes. <laughs> That's right. Uh, what are we talking about now? Oh, food, food, food. Oh, this is a good food, one. Food, food, food. Mm-hmm. Best, thing, best thing you ate this food. year. Best thing I ate this year was actually last week when I was in Vegas. Surprisingly, oh, really? You tell? <laughs> yeah, because you wouldn't. You wouldn't think because uh, so when we first got there. Uh, you know, Vegas is all about the casinos and blah, blah. And every chef that's on Food Network has, you know, a, a restaurant there. And they're generally not that great mm-hmm. and very expensive. And, you know, we had the saltiest Caesar salad that I've ever had in my life at Gordon Ramsay's restaurant. Really? That's a shame. Yeah. But uh, we went to this one place. So we're big. Uh, salad is so salty. It would, it would melt a slug. Exactly. He should get it himself. It was it was it was awful. Like oh, it lame. Was expensive. Lame. Lame. But um, you know, we were uh, we're big Anthony Bourdain fans. Oh yeah. Oh, by the way, he's the uh, narrator of that show, The Mind of a Chef. Oh okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you know, we we like all of his you know, no reservations and uh, the layover and the other one that I can never remember. That's on CNN. Uh, Parts unknown, and so we, we we knew we were going to we were in Vegas last week, and we knew we were going to Vegas. And I said, oh, and we were watching through, uh, I think the second the last set of episodes of Parts Unknown. I said, oh, let me see if he uh, if he went to Vegas because we probably already seen it, but I don't remember. Mm. And so we went back and we watched that episode, and he talked about this restaurant called Lotus of Siam, which is a uh, a Thai restaurant. Okay, that is that is north and away pretty good bit off the strip mm-hmm. in in what is in in basically a strip mall off of like sahara boulevard in what i would say is not the greatest part of las vegas like we took a cab there from our hotel and when we were done the cabbie was like oh you can just walk back to las vegas boulevard and, and get the bus you know on on the strip that walk not entirely comfortable mm-hmm. i i didn't feel like i was in a great place but this food was so good. Uh, it's the uh, the chef from from this place is from the the north of Thailand, and they do all the traditional like you know if you want pad Thai, if you want you know the green curry with coconut and coconut milk and all that stuff. They have all of that. But what you're what you're supposed to do is go to the back few pages of the menu, and there they have all these dishes that are indigenous to northern Thailand, which is very, they're very different from kind of the the traditional Thai food you'd get at a regular Thai restaurant, like say here in Toronto. Mm-hmm. And the stuff that we had, we had this, it was, there was a, we had a red curry that didn't have coconut milk in it. That was like very different. It had kind of very chunky vegetables and, you know, like, mm-hmm. 
it was just a very different experience. We had this noodle dish that was, again, just very different from anything you'd ever have. And it was just so well put together, so well prepared, so well spiced, very balanced, not overly hot, not, you know, not hot enough. They had a great wine list, which is very abnormal, I would say, for, uh, for a Thai restaurant. Yeah. Thai restaurants or, you know, Asian restaurants in general tend to not have really great wine list so we had a nice white wine and, and it was just a really really great experience in a place that that you wouldn't expect like it was we got dropped off in this strip mall there was no one around you look around i wasn't even sure if the restaurant was open it was like <laughs> it's just this door and there were no windows and you're just like where the hell am i and yeah it was just super surprising and, and really great so hmm. highly recommended if you're ever in las vegas go to lotus of siam Go for lunch or call ahead the day before because it gets booked up because uh, it's a secret, but it's not a huge secret. Oh, how nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when I went to Las Vegas for business once, did I, I don't think I even ate anywhere other than my hotel, just the way that my schedule worked out. That's how that usually works. When like I was there in 2012 for a work conference and you know, we ate at the Mirage and we maybe went across the street one night mm. to, uh, to the Venetian and ate there. Mm-hmm. Well, what impressed me was I didn't think I was going for a fancy meal or anything, and it wasn't like amazing or anything like that. But uh, the best thing that I ate there was a tortilla soup, which was really delicious. Well, you shut up with that soup for the longest time. Well, it was an awesome soup. But what was even more awesome was I'm pretty sure I I just walked into the place and they seated me. I was by myself. I was reading a book or whatever, and um, I, I was paying with cash or credit card. Oh, it would have been credit card if I was billing it to my company. Credit card. And uh, when my soup came. It was one of the chefs walked out of the kitchen with a big saucepan and, a, and an empty bowl. And he put the bowl in front of me and he said, here's your soup, Mr. Devins. And he, wow. poured, and he poured the soup into the bowl for me. He's like, enjoy. And he walks away. And they called me by name and I don't even know how he, they knew my name. I didn't make a reservation or anything. So I guess that's just the big brother of Las Vegas. I guess they recognize They know everything somehow. about you. Yeah. I don't know if like my, my hotel key had a tracking chip on it or what exactly, but. It impressed me more than it creeped me out, which is how superficial I am, I suppose. So, that was probably the first time that uh, anyone's called you sir without adding you're making a scene. <laughs> Touche. <laughs> That's probably true. But no, I'd say that there is something to be said, something big to be said for for service. Oh, yes, big time. Oh, yeah. For experience. Like, I will go, I, I'd much rather, like, you know, I, I, I ski and, and we go to, uh, we have a ski shop we go to at, uh, at Young and Lawrence called Sign of the Skier here in mm. Toronto. Oh, yeah, yeah. We pass it all the time. I like their, oh, yeah. Yeah. their symbol. Yeah, I, I love that place. And, you know, you go there and, and it's not going to be the best deal. You know, you, you could probably get it a little bit cheaper at the Sporting Life up the street mm-hmm. or whatever. But they know what they're talking about. They will sit with you for two hours trying on boots. They will talk with you for another two hours about you know, what kind of skis you should have and what, you know, what this one has over this one. And, and that stuff is just, I will pay more because I'm being served. Sure. Mm-hmm. Just like we go to no, we go to this uh, organic food store near us because they have better popcorn and bulk food that uh, would otherwise be expensive if you bought it at a regular store. I know I bought a huge bag of quinoa that if I bought that much at a grocery store, it would have cost me three times as much for the quantity I got. Oh, we get the, we get our eggs there because they just taste so good. It's like the free run eggs. Yeah. Over these over the grocery stores free run eggs, which I'm like, okay, 50 cents, big deal. What are you going to buy for 50 cents anyway these days? Yeah, that's exactly. right. Yeah, well, but especially for skiing gear and stuff like that. Like if you're going to make a major purchase, 
you may as well uh, make an informed decision. Yeah, and I'm sure it's like, you know, I know you guys like like going to Canada Computers, and I'm sure a lot of the times you go there because, you know, you can talk to the people. That's very true. Yeah, we had a good experience at the different ones. We go in, we know exactly, we know what we want, but but hopefully they might have a better suggestion. That's what our goal is. Yeah, very often they will give us a suggestion that costs less, and they'll tell us why they recommend that one based on their own experience because they are enthusiasts. Mm -hmm. That makes all the difference, right? Yeah, and that's the thing. It's the same thing at the ski shop. These people work there. You know, you're not gonna you're not gonna become a millionaire working at a ski shop. Right? Nope. You do but it because you love that stuff. And the same working at Canada Computer. You, know, you do it because you're an enthusiast and you're interested. Exactly. Well, uh, do you you and I both have the same restaurant as one of our best things that we ate this yep. year? Do you want to spill the beans on that yep. one? So. Uh, for those of you unfamiliar with the city of Toronto, every year we have uh, two major uh, events wow. that support uh, the foodie community called uh, either Summerlicious or Winterlicious. Favorite time of year. Mm-hmm. Yep. So this is this occurred. So during Summerlicious, a restaurant that normally way out of our price range. <laughs> it was only out of our price range. Just barely out of our Just price barely. range. <laughs> More than barely. Yeah. We went to a. a, a a Mark McEwen restaurant known as North 44. Oh, you guys went to North 44. I'm excited to hear about this. Oh, it was ridiculous. We have photos and it was the most ridiculous. <laughs> uh, we look so like such good. bumpkins taking photos of everything, I swear, but we didn't care. But what's interesting about me, but before we go into the food, we happened to go there at the same time Pan Am was coming through town. Oh, yeah, and the so Pan Am we games. Were on the, so we got to sit there and watch the, pan, the torch go by. We were on the torch route. Yeah, the torch Without relay. even knowing. Yeah. <laughs> Mm-hmm. That was pretty neat. Yeah. Normally, I don't care, but just to, but just being there by coincidence makes it kind of a cool memory. Well, there are a bunch of it's yeah. like if a movie you like is on TV and you watch it, even though you have it on you know whatever, and you can watch it whenever you want. You still watch it when it's on TV. Sure. Exactly. <laughs> it's like the, it's the first-hand experience that counts. Sometimes, even if you can you know see it other times, it's you know oh I was there I got to see it. Yeah. So we got in. It was oh my gosh we had the restaurant to ourselves because I made a really early reservation. Since, oh, this was for our anniversary, wasn't it? Yeah. That made it even better. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we had a reservation. We we looked at their dis- their so-called discount menu. I think in the end it cost us like 130 bucks or something. Yeah, that's because we got wine as well. Right, so it was probably like the 40 – because basically, yeah, the whole concept for everyone who doesn't know of this Winterlicious and Summerlicious is, yeah, a whole bunch of restaurants in the city do what they call a prefix menu. So it will be either – you know, for either $25, $35, or $45 a person, you get kind of like – you'll get like a three-course three meal. Meal. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, these restaurants where you normally go and spend like, you know, $300 on two people, you can get away for, you know, $100, $120 That's or right. maybe even less if you're like. And this is one of those sorts of super expensive restaurants. But what amazed me was like among, amongst other things that we'll talk about was that we both walked out of there like full and satisfied on a $45 meal. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think we could have kept it under $100. If we didn't have the wine. Exactly. But, we but had- it, was, it was good. We, we had just come back from our uh, Niagara <laughs> on the Lake wine tour thinking we knew. So you, so you were you were fine connoisseurs then. By then, of course. Oh, Coinoisseurs. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, we, we figured we knew it all by then, mm-hmm. having drunk the finest Ontario wines in a three-kilometer radius. <laughs> <laughs> But then we, uh, they had some like uh, suggested Italian. wine pairings on, yeah. on the mm-hmm. menu, and we had an Italian wine, and it blew everything we had all weekend completely out of the water. Yeah, Niagara wines are eh. Well, some are eh, 
But we did have a re- but if you want a really good one there, the consul pe- the consulman peach wine is amazing. Oh the, yeah, made with peaches, it was delicious. Mm. We took one home; it was amazingly good. Mm-hmm. And the other, we had other good ones like Pondview and everything, but that was the best one, which is the peach because it was so unique. But this place that we went to, we each got some amazing food. I had. He had a uh, beef tartare appetizer. I had... Um, I'd never had that before. It was phenomenally good. Everything looks really good on the menu. I almost got a vegetarian meal, despite yeah. myself. I had a... Um, I had a uh, tuna ahi. Uh, oh, yeah, the ahi tuna with mm-hmm. wasabi or something. Mm-hmm. And it was just... But they, once again... The key with wasabi mm-hmm. was uh, to that they had a very light hand with it. Right, it's all about balance. Mm-hmm. Very much so. Oh my! Th- I, I just found the f- our photographs. How, why didn't we take a photograph of the menu? We should have. Oh, this I is just get it online, or I guess not, because that's a summer delicious menu. Probably not, because it's long gone now. Yeah. Oh my! Mine was so fancy. It was uh, my appetizer was beef tartare with a raw quail egg on top, little toast points, and this grainy uh, mustard. And it was so fresh and light and delicious. I wouldn't have thought like beef, never mind raw beef, I would describe as light. But it was very, very delicate and just unbelievably good. Um, my entree was... Uh, so, oh yeah, I forgot salmon. my... Salmon. Yeah, my tuna was... For those who don't know what tuna ahi is, it's... Uh, ahi tuna. Ahi tuna. It's... Uh, it's flash fried on the outside very quickly, so it's like quickly seared on the outside with the inside being raw. So it's just one step up from uh, sashimi. Well, I think ahi is just like the type of tuna, isn't it? It's like a Hawaiian fish. Yeah, true. But I'm just talking about preparation for people who don't know. About I might be wrong. <laughs> oh yeah, so yours had what is that watercress? Yeah, yeah. It's so pretty. Mm-hmm. My entree was amazing. My entree was this salmon. I can't even shit. Why didn't I take a picture of it? It was salmon. Oh, it had salmon with onion rings. <laughs> and a mashed potato and <laughs> so good. vegetables. Oh, yeah, with mashed wow. potato and uh, uh, this, I think this is bok choy. Mm-hmm. And it, uh, it had miso glaze or something. Mm-hmm. It was extremely maple, good. I think it was maple miso glaze or something. That weird. sounds about right. Yeah. <laughs> and you had pork, I think? I had pork tenderloin with a um, zucchini spaghetti. Oh, yeah. You guys are making me really hungry. <laughs> we, we better be. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, it was the prettiest tenderloin. And then desserts were like these. Oh, you had a tart. Mm-hmm. A tart with like a shortbread uh, crust and like not a crumb was out of place. Not a tiny little thing was broken. Mm-hmm. They're so detail oriented. They are berries on our plate and they're all like absolutely flawless yeah. little gems. And of course, because this is postmodern cuisine, they have like the schmears on the plate and the dots and well, the dabs. Well, mark. This skid mark. That's what we call it. When we're watching these cooking shows, like the competitions, one thing you can count on with when you, you squirt see- a ketchup bottle <laughs> on, a, on a plate and they smear, smear it with, it with a spoon. spoon and all of a sudden it looks fancy. So literally walking out of this restaurant, I asked myself, what have I been eating my whole life? Mm-hmm. Like this, this was far and away one of the best things I'd ever eaten in my whole life. And like suddenly we're totally into rich people food. Not that we've had any since then. Oh, with the exception of high tea <laughs> on our anniversary. This was actually before our anniversary. This was just because we were. It was on. Our, it was the last week of his vacation. We wanted to do something really special. That's right. And so for on our anniversary, we went to Dessert Trends, which was the other place on my uh, uh, yes on in, my list. The I was wondering if you went to like the, the King Eddie or something. Oh, we looked it up. It used to be. 
like $55 a person for their high tea. Now it's like $89 a person. Yeah, this uh, one was much more reasonable. It was still expensive. It still is expensive. What was it, $35 a person or something? $25 a person? Yeah. But my goodness, was it enjoyable. We figured high tea. This is Bianca's idea. It was a very British limey kind of a thing that I thought was just a little grandmotherly, a uh, little tiny nibble sort of a thing. But we, so we planned to go to this high tea and uh, then go for dinner. Yeah. Nope. No dinner. <laughs> we were so stuffed full of amazingly good, like, buttery, it was butter. We basically ate butter for, like, two hours. <laughs> I know. It was so good. There was, like, this three-tier, first we had these amazing teas. We each got, like, a pot with enough leaves to fill it a few times. And there were three, this three-tiered tray with, like, pastries and sandwiches and desserts and and all these various creams. It was all butter and sugar. It, and the the uh, on the website, it said that their uh, pastry chef was this, like, super award-winning com- competition-grade pastry chef who, like, competes making cakes and had made pastries for the prime minister and queen mm-hmm. and Nelson Mandela and all these foreign yeah. dignitaries. Yeah, we had like such a, good stuff. Yeah, we had like a, it was three tiers of like finger sandwiches, spring rolls and just this amazing stuff. I we were expecting, you know, traditional food, but there was it was a tra- it, uh, but the food itself wasn't traditional. It was just presented on a in a traditional means with like the petite fours. Yeah, that's right. Oh, it was such great stuff. And this little restaurant had its own like uh, garden outside. Yep. It was a beautiful, beautiful day, and the garden was just outside us, and oh, it was awesome. And uh, we wound up not having dinner, and just kind of ate garbage at at 8 o'clock at night because we were so so hungry. Let's have some chips. (laughs) (laughs) Pretty much. Yep. Uh, Actually, I think we probably just had cheesies or something. Probably. Yeah, that's stuff we don't eat anymore. Nope. Oh, and we were so planning on going back to Mr. Tonkatsu. Yeah. Which is like a fr- uh, uh, like a pork schnitzel sort of a Japanese place. It's so good. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Oh, one thing we forgot to put on our list, which we went to by accident. We went to – we had a road trip this uh Oh, yeah, summer. Ethiopian. That's right. We, we, went, we were intending to go back to an Indian restaurant, the Himalayan restaurant that we discovered in Hamilton, uh, which but is we like were an hour and a half out of town. Brian's stomach was crying for the dinner. No, you were the one crying. I was the one who wanted to wait there because they opened in like 20 minutes. And you're like, I'm hungry now. So we drove for 25 minutes <laughs> to an Ethiopian restaurant that we'd never heard of. We just like looked at Google Maps. We're like, what's good? What's a good restaurant that's not expensive in the city? We found some. I don't even remember the name of it. I know. It was just like some little hole in the wall Ethiopian place. It wasn't even a hole in the wall. It didn't look like much from the outside. And the neighborhood looked a little rough, but the inside was really stylish and beautiful. Hmm. So we had Ethiopian food for the first time. I don't think I've ever had Ethiopia. Oh, it's amazingly good. It's mm-hmm. predominantly vegetarian, but we did have a couple of little meat things here and there. And it's instead of cutlery, you get this big pancake thing called yes. injera. And yes, so you, that I've heard of. You tear off a little piece of it and you pinch these like globs of vegetable goo and you like eat them in these and little sandwiches. Food. Yeah, like yeah, there were lentils and uh, to her own surprise, Bianca said her favorite thing was pickled beets. Mm-hmm. That they prepared there. It was so good and so satisfying. I don't know if it's the fact that it's like mostly like mushy consistency, but it fills you up so thoroughly. Like fills up all the little corners. Yeah, it fills in all the all the, the little holes. That's right. It was oh, here you go. phenomenally it's good. Oh. It was very beautiful food. And yeah. the, the waitress was really nice and mm-hmm. the decor was nice. We had a great time there. We went back to a Torontonian Ethiopian place since then. Yeah, we dragged my dad along and he 
Yeah, he was skeptical and he loved it too. Yeah, but we didn't we didn't uh, man we didn't enforce Gersha on him though. Oh yeah, Gersha. Gersha. Gersha shelf. This is uh <laughs> when you're eating this particular type of food, like you'll pick up in your bread, two people do it at the same time and reach across and feed each other at the same time. Yeah, uh, that's like an Ethiopian custom <laughs> called Gersha. Gersha. You- so for a while we would piss each other off by like shoving a handful of food in each other person's mouth when they weren't <laughs> expecting it. Gersha. <laughs> as long as you said it, you had full rights, as annoying as it was. <laughs> That's right. Well, the only other amazing thing I, well, I, I, Bianca's gotten way more into cooking this year, but the best of them all, I think, was on my birthday, she made me Japanese ramen soup with noodles and pork and vegetables and all this good stuff in it. It was so thoughtful of you. Mm-hmm. That's one of my favorite uh, meals, and you made it as well as any restaurant. Awful nice. And that's a lot of fun, too. Like, we've started doing that as well. Like, instead of going out, we just try and, like, oh, it's Friday night. And, you know, we normally we'd go out and eat too much and then come back and feel gross and <laughs> not sleep or sleep too much or whatever. It's like, oh, let's just try and figure something out. So we, you know, make something cool. We started doing a lot of uh, – we really got onto the slow cooker this year. Mm-hmm. We're all about the slow cooker. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I'm all about my T-fall frying pans. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, investing in decent cookware kind of make, makes it uh, exponentially better, doesn't it? Oh, yeah. No, big, we have, we have you know, great knives and uh-huh. you know, that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. But, yeah, the, the slow cooker, I started doing a lot of, like, um, pulled pork and stuff like that. So you just kind of put a spice rub on there, throw it in in the morning. And when you come back after work, your whole house smells like pork. It's amazing. Oh, we had we we made the wrong choice. I think my friend Bram, who was on our he was on the show uh, several months ago. Now he's uh, knee deep in uh, diapers. <laughs> Poor guy. Not not his own. His kids. <laughs> um, I should hope he uh, he offered for our wedding present to either get us a slow cooker or a fancy popcorn machine. So we opted for the popcorn machine, and uh, we like broke it three months later. I felt real bad. We should have. <laughs> Gone for the slow cooker. I think that would have. Well, if, if if you pop on Amazon, you can you can get a slow cooker for for twenty dollars, twenty four dollars yeah. probably. Oh, we ought to. Yeah, so it's really it's really a, a low barrier to entry, and there's there's so much you can do. We do stews in there, but yeah, I find that pulled pork is is so great, and who doesn't love pulled pork? So. Mm-hmm. Oh, good suggestion. We were thinking of getting a rice cooker next. Yeah, rice cookers are nice, but they're they're uh, as Alton Brown likes to say, unit taskers. They do one thing. Right. That's why I don't want just a straight up uh, one. Well, they do vegetables too, actually. If you get a uh, programmable digital one with multiple options, that's when you can steam vegetables. That's what I'm aiming for, mm-hmm. and I've been looking for a variety, and I've been looking at a handful of them at this one Korean supermarket in North Toronto. That in I shouldn't say North Toronto because that's where we are, in um in the north part of Toronto, just around okay, just around Steels. It's like North York, kind of a thing, or uh, that- North, yeah, but, but yeah, North North York or uh, Richmond Hill, mm-hmm. kind of Thornhill, sort of that area, Young and Steels. Yeah, that's, above the four hundred one. Yes, a, a bit. Can we, yeah, by the way, except that three people from Toronto that listen are like, we do not care. I know. <laughs> can we can we take a moment to enthuse about how cool Alton Brown is? By the way, he's awesome. Yeah. I actually saw him live last year when he was in town. We got no way. Uh, we got awesome. free tickets through uh, one of my former co-workers. I used to work for, for Le Cordon Bleu, the cooking school. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of my co- former co-workers from there now works at George Brown, which is college in Toronto, mm-hmm. as well know. And uh, yeah, he had tickets and, and he gave them to us because he was going to be in New York for some reason. And it was an amazing show. What did he do exactly? 
he well he initially he told a lot of stories all of which were were hilarious including serving his you know six-year-old daughter uh deep fried chicken feet because she asked for chicken fingers for her birthday mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh other things like that but uh the the funnest thing was uh, he he created an industrial strength easy bake oven Whoa. using stage lights <laughs> And he had uh, him and a quote-unquote person from the audience who I'm pretty sure was a plant because she was really knowledgeable about how to make pizza dough. Mm -hmm. (laughs) They they each made a pizza and uh, they cooked it on this easy-bake oven on stage and the whole theater smelled like pizza so it wasn't faked. Wow. And yeah, it was, I mean, he's just, he's a, he's a funny guy. He's a smart guy. And he, he's mm-hmm. really good at, you know, rolling with the punches. And so people would kind of yell things out and, you know, it was a really great interactive kind of show. So if, if he's ever around and you guys are available, I would strongly recommend going to see Alton Brown live. Oh, we'd love to. Mm-hmm. We like Cutthroat Kitchen and uh, Iron Chef. And I don't know what else he's on, but he's great. And I like going back and watching the old Good Eats. Oh, we haven't seen that, have we? No. Oh, that's his his old stuff. Like if you can go see the really old ones, where before before he was on Food Network, oh. it was like uh, kind of this underground, like independent thing that he did. And he each episode, it's like uh, it's like the upper memory block of food. You know, he gets really deep into like, oh, today we're going to talk about bread, and so he'll like give all these different the science of like how yeast works, and he has like hand puppets, and it's it's, it's hilarious. <laughs> Oh, cool. Well, he's great. So, yeah. And actually, I think they are, there are some, some of them might be on Netflix. Yeah. I've seen a few of his things. You can search by name, even by, by actor or what have you. Yeah. yeah and it's, it's, it's super sciencey. It's really cool, actually. Oh, I appreciate that. If you go on uh, Food Network, you can actually, uh, and you go under uh, Cut for Kitchen. Oh, their website, you mean the American yeah. one? What, what's interesting is there, there's a few videos where he talks about his favorite uh, sabotages and, and why he likes them. <laughs> yeah, we, we watched through all the Cutthroat Kitchen that was available on Netflix as well. So. We're getting there. Mm-hmm. So it's more entertaining than I thought it was going to be. Oh, it's hilarious. <laughs> yeah, I like all those competition shows, that and Chopped and stuff. It, just, it, it gives you ideas about how to do things with you know weird ingredients and weird situations. And Yeah, it does. It teaches you about like context. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's it's mm-hmm. educational. North Chef in America taught me about f- flavor about com- about different flavor profiles because Amber is awesome. She yes. is awesome. I like her a lot. Yeah, that's why I like I like watching because you know we we enjoy cooking, especially when there's free time. You know, when you're not on a rush or you're not tired after work. Mm-hmm. And, oh God, we need to. Eat. Yeah. You know, when 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 you have some time to play around with things and experiment, it's 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 a lot of fun. That is. Yeah, and Brian hasn't cooked in a long time. He used to do be our burger and our uh, breakfast guy, but I kind of kicked him out of the kitchen on that one. Too. I thought I, those were the two things I thought I was good at. Yeah, and then and I'm like, you know, screw this. I can do better. <laughs> <laughs> She's not a fan of uh, scrambled eggs with minimal seasoning. I like when they taste simple and with eggy He's flavor. She likes to throw garlic and 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 parsley and stuff into them. No, I put, which I love too. I put salt and pepper as my primary things and then i don't and then sometimes i put in more sometimes i oh is so your frittatas then they're like garlic bombs and i love them that's my frittata because a frittata is supposed to have stuff oh, in it i like them with nothing i think it's i think eggs are delicious anyway, and you can never have too much garlic so this is this is definitely bianca's cooking philosophy <laughs> hey, i've been much better with the garlic lately. yeah you have you've been more about balance now and occasionally trying and trying to balance uh, with lemon 
Yes. I don't see with lemon. Yeah, he I finally I got Brian to eat that quinoa. And he's quinoa is great. Yeah. It is great. I, I'd eaten it before and I thought it just tasted like dusty and weird, but no, since Bianca started making it, I love it now. Yep. So we and so tonight is hamburgers, which I will be cooking. I guess. <laughs> I like my hamburgers, but I like yours very much too. Mm-hmm. I was doing mine on the Foreman grill. Which ah. makes them nice and lean, but it presses out all the juice. So she's been doing them on a uh, frying pan, which has more fat, but it, it's really juicy. But it's more tasty, yeah, for sure. It is. Yeah, tonight we, we are actually going out tonight. That's why I have... I, oh, where are you I guys have, going? I don't know yet. So, so That's always that, a good that, place. I love the. I love that. That's my favorite place. I don't know. <laughs> Somewhere. So I, I, I'm meeting my wife and, and her sister in, in Summerhill. So I don't know if we're going to go somewhere around there, but... Ooh, somewhere, yeah, go somewhere. Somewhere hill. Yeah, somewhere hill. hill. (laughs) And I think we should finish off uh, our best of list. We have two more categories. Yeah, why don't we? I think we've we've exhausted our time, but it's been really awesome talking about this stuff. These are two good categories we have left, too. Yep. So, best activity. Best activity. So, this one, I may even have talked about this. events, anything. Hmm. Yeah, so the, the, uh, I may have talked about this, but in, oh, when was it? It must have been... Early, late August, early September. It was early September. My my wife and I did the the epic tour of Halton, which oh, yeah. is uh, which is a bike ride. That's uh, hills, right? Yes, the Halton Hills. So we did. Uh, there, there's a, a variety of distances. We did kind of the middle distance, which was 80 kilometers. Hmm. So we going on uh, yeah an 80 kilometer bike ride. Yeah, it was the week after Labor Day. Now I remember exactly an 80 kilometer bike ride through the Halton Hills. Wow. And uh, it was. It was challenging. It was, I was, I knew I could do the distance. I was unprepared for how hilly the Halton Hills actually are. So the Halton Hills, Halton is, is a region, I guess, west of uh, Toronto. Mm. And uh, it's it's up into, I guess, is it up into the escarpment or, or something to that? Yeah, point? I think so. It ends like in the cliffs, right? Yeah. So so basically it's a really, very hilly area and you know if you're on and this isn't you know this is a a bicycle ride this isn't motorcycles or anything like that so we it took about i think it must have taken us about four hours (laughs) to go 80 kilometers that's pretty darn good yeah i mean it was it was it was an amazing experience i would love to do it again uh and it was just a really it's cool like i love i love cycling i i always have i i did it a lot when i was a kid you know just right initially because it was my only way to get around you know the suburbs of montreal where i grew up and then afterwards just because i liked it and i kind of fell off cycling for many 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 years until uh last year when my, my wife is like the motive the motivator for us to she's the instigator for us to actually do things and then i'm the person that actually makes it happen Mm-hmm. And so she was really interested last year in doing a triathlon. Oh yes, that's right. You talked about training for some time. Yeah. So we, we were, so last summer, not, not, you know, so I guess summer 2014, we trained for this tria triathlon, which isn't really a big thing. You know, the distances were very short. It was like a 350 meter swim, a 10 kilometer bike ride and a two and a half kilometer run, which is nothing really. Mm-hmm. But, some- uh, but yeah, so we went to do that, and immediately after that, I kind of said, you know what, I really like riding my bike, so so I really picked that up this summer. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and and kind of the, the the capper was this, you know, huge bike ride, which was really great. You know, what by the by the time you get to this the end of this eighty kilometers through these hills, and it was sort of a rainy day, which 
wasn't ideal, but we got through anyways. And I think that almost made it more memorable because the weather was kind of crappy. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, it's just the sense of accomplishment getting through something like that is is really great. Oh, fantastic. It takes hard work to do that. Way to go. Yep. That's awesome. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Good. Well, how about you, dear? What was your best activity this year? Well, since... Well, I guess we'll just share the first one since we've been sharing everything else. <laughs> What's that? Uh, we had our Niagara on the Lake, Lake Wine Tour. That was just something unique and uh, fun. Yeah, that was so nice. We really lucked out because we booked our tour in advance with some tour company. A very small startup tour company mm-hmm. in the hope that, you know, a smaller tour would mean just a, just a small group of people. Yeah, well, and it definitely was. Cause, <laughs> uh, it was a husband and wife who uh, did this, who did the tours. Um, as luck would have it, the husband got busy with this like gaggle of uh, of a uh, a bachelorette party. That's what I was going to say. And so that left the wife to uh, handle all the remaining customers, which was just Bianca and I. So we got our own private wine tour to three different wineries in the Niagara on the Lake and a chocolate factory because we had extra time. That is cool. Which was so cool. So we learned about tasting and wine pairings and swirling your your glass and sniffing it to look like a big shot and when to send it back. (laughs) That was so much fun. Mm -hmm. And uh, we got to try ice wine there for the first time, which was was always fun. Oh, yes, we did. Mm -hmm. That was nice. That stuff's tasty. It is tasty. Oh, and Bianca brought some back for her dad's birthday, which was soon after she got a little package of chocolate shot glasses. Yeah. You're supposed to pour the ice wine in it and you take a little sip of it and then you eat the chocolate with the ice wine still in it. That was really good. Dark chocolate. Yeah. Mm. It was definitely sugary enough. Yeah. And then and then we wound up with another bottle. And because we gave uh, Brian's parents a bottle of wine, they turned around like, oh, here, we had this sitting around. Here, take our surplus ice wine. Oh, yeah. That was awesome. It was like a seven-year-old bottle of ice wine or something. Yeah. They don't, they like never drink. Mm-hmm. And we never drink, not not really since going to the wineries. Yeah. <laughs> now we drink wine. I wish we could say we never drink, but we drink. <laughs> yeah, we, I don't know, we avoided it for the longest time for whatever reason. We didn't really care. But no, we sip it. Yeah, wine's nice. And I don't, I like just, I, and the thing is, it's, we don't, I don't really feel anything off it. I just enjoy the one glass, then I'm happy. Well, if you drink more of it, you get happier. <laughs> I don't want to be too happy because then you might start to be happy. We don't want to have that. <laughs> no, 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 no. Only you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, what else? Oh, well, actually, uh, a couple of months ago, my cousins came to visit. That a couple was months ago? A couple of months ago. Oh, months ago. Yeah. A couple of months ago, my cousins came to visit. Well, your cousin. Yeah, cousins. Your cousin and her girlfriend. Fiance. Fiance is what we found out, which was really nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so... Uh, those two are getting married uh, sometime next year. So, naturally, uh, my aunt's thrilled about that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, we had a nice time. We did a, We actually got to see, do, do a, something touristy in Toronto that we almost, since we never do it, having, you know, lived in the city for a long time. So it's just not trendy to live in the city and be a tourist in your own city. Mm-hmm. So, we went to the Steam Whistle Brewery. Yeah, that was really fun, right by the CN Tower. Cool. They have a great tour. It was 10 bucks for the tour. We drank like $40 worth of beer. <laughs> we came home with some souvenir glasses. The tour was very entertaining. Yeah. The beer was awesome. And we uh, uh, we learned uh, that when you go to a brewery, you're supposed to request their unfiltered beer. 
which is like the well, unfiltered. It has like a little bit of plant matter or whatever Plenty, yeah. still in it. But and it it's just only has good. A nicer taste. To it's it. delicious. It's only good at the brewery because if you they can't sell it because then it turns into sediment at the bottom of the bottle and it's inconsistent from mm-hmm. the top to the bottom. But in the brewery, it was really flavorful and yeah. delicious. It just had a nicer flavor overall. And I'm not, I'm not I'm not much of a beer drinker, so I found it to be quite nice. Yeah, and you, yeah, as much beer as they gave me, as they gave me. Halfway through the tour, Bianca's like, I'm not drinking anymore. You drink it. So I drink a person and a half worth of beer to her beer. Well, not because I couldn't take it. It was just, I'm not a fan of it. (laughs) Give me, you know, spirits, wine. I'll probably drink more. Yeah. But it was very good. It kind of gives you a little pride to visit a big hometown success like Steam Whistle. So good for them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I I, I love me some Steam Whistle. It's very good. Mm Mm-hmm. I recommend and, their tour. It was, yep. it was like, what, 10 bucks or something? Yep. And, you really guys, fun yep. and you get a thing. souvenir cup at the end. Yeah, mm. that's right. Well, there were different prices you could pay depending on the souvenirs you wanted to take on. Yep. It was very well yeah, worth I've it. Been, I've been there, but I think we went to the Steam Whistle Brewery once because they, they have a small little farmer's market there on the weekend. Ah. Yeah. And, and so we went to check that out. Yeah. During the summer, uh, there's a farmer's market up at Young Eglinton. There's one at Lawrence. Oh, they're all over. Yeah. In town, yeah. out of town. Well, St. Lawrence Market is like you know, that's the one. yeah sure that the one, but at Lawrence and I you know Lawrence Young and oh, yeah, uh, Mount right. Pleasant around uh, Davisville. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, they are all over the place. So oh, so after the brewery, we went to the distillery district. Yeah. Oh, well, and had more beer. Of course. Okay, we had so much beer. Although you, we Look. went to Mill Street, the Mill Street uh, uh, pub. Yeah, we didn't do the tour though because we were already we were already beered up. <laughs> But we ate yummy food, yummy greasy food there, which was very delicious, actually. And we stood around waiting for two women to shop. <laughs> that was that took a while, and I was exhausted by the end of that. Yeah, and, of course, and one of my cousins the, uh, wanted to stop and have sake oh, yeah. because they were selling warm sake. Oh yeah, I had too much. That's right. There's a place giving uh, samples of sake, but I was too drunk to want any more by then. Yeah, so we had. <laughs> so I shared some warm sake with my cousins. And I stood outside stumbling. <laughs> with the with the uh, shopping. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. I held three women worth of shopping bags while the three well, of them got drunker. Well, actually, it was three women's worth of shopping bags, but it was all one woman shopping. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I bought one keychain the entire time. Yeah. Or did you make me carry it? No. Oh, okay. Well, then you're the best of the three. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because then I promptly went home and gave my dad his new key tag. Oh, that's right. From the Sky Dome. Yep. No. Yes. Yeah, this is when the Blue Jays were... The Rogers st- Center. <laughs> yeah, terrible name. Oh, well. It'll always be the Sky Dome. Yes. It will always be the Sky Dome. Yes. So, uh, is that you- it for you? Yep, is that it? Yep. All right. Well, we talked about Niagara on the Lake. Uh, something I'm very proud of this year is doing both an online class and a real in-class class. I talked about my online class a bunch. My... Uh, uh, literature, Lord of the Rings, video game versus novel versus movie class on Coursera. That was really fun. Yeah, that sounds like such a cool course. It was super cool and contemporary and nerdy, and it was such a good time. It was very rewarding, and it was only seven weeks, and it was free. It was such a great experience for me. And I've also been taking uh, – I work at a college, and I've been taking a daytime uh, class as a professional development thing, psychology of communication. I have to write an exam on Tuesday. Like a real student, but that was a that was very rewarding as well. And I'm kicking ass at this class. I mean, it's such a privilege, not number one, to friggin' have it as a professional development thing. So I'm getting paid to go to a class, which is very very enjoyable anyway. And it's so nice to only have to take one class in college, so I can really yeah. dedicate time to it and have time to 
do well at it. So I'm I'm excelling at it. I'm a little worried about the exam, but not that bad, I guess. Uh, I'm sure you'll be fine. So that's been fantastic. And one other awesome activity I did this year was to meet you, Joe, to hang out at uh, the Get Well Bar, especially. That place was such a cool place. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, it was a privilege to get to meet you and to hang out with you and chat with you. I've had good times with you. And looking forward to much more of that. Oh, yeah. We will definitely be doing be doing it again. I think I will sure. find some time. I know the holidays get busy. but mm. uh, Oh, absolutely. We will. Our holidays don't get busy because we only have just a, we only have to do part of Christmas Day, and that's it. Yeah, that's true. Everybody else has the has the onus of of impressing us. <laughs> <laughs> there works, you go. Works for me. Yeah. All right. Well, why don't we wrap it up with our very very last one then? Our best accomplishments. Did we run? The, I hope we we sent you this one. Do you have a yeah. best accomplishment of the year? Yeah, I have a best accomplishment of the year, and and mine, and maybe it, it's somewhat related to the 80k bike ride but actually both my wife and i this year have have dropped about 30 pounds oh wow good for you and uh you know i know we all a lot of us struggle with uh with weight and, and stuff like that and you know we have yeah, i struggle sore. with lifting weights <laughs> oh i do that too oh. i'm quite i'm sore today she does <laughs> i have a personal trainer Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, we've, yeah that, that's the thing. Like, we've done a lot of that stuff. Like, we've worked with personal trainers and, you know, individually and together and done all kinds of different things. And really, it was just a lot of diet stuff that we rejigged and played with and, and found a way to do it and maintain. And, and so, yeah, I feel we're both kind of – we're back to, uh, as we put it, uh, our, uh, our our university weights. <laughs> mm-hmm. So Good for you. you know, it, yeah, I mean, it's a it's a great feeling. Everything, all the the physical stuff that we do, the skiing, the running, the biking, is is substantially easier. Hmm. Like you don't realize it when you're doing it that oh wow I like you know I can do push ups a lot more now and like well yeah I'm pushing up thirty less pounds it makes sense that it's easier. So yeah, that's kind of that's I wouldn't even say it's one of my biggest accomplishments of the year. It's probably biggest accomplishment of many years. Hmm. So yeah, I'm quite quite proud of that. Terrific! Hooray! Hooray. It's not that hard. <laughs> well done. Well, dear, what about you? Well, I've always, I never, I was never a good cook when I was younger. I was terrible because my mother never taught me how to cook, and my dad was not a very good cook to begin with. So, <laughs> lo and behold, I uh, it was the blind leading the blind for a long time. Uh, when I first married Brian, I was a lousy cook then too. Yeah. I mean, how many burnt meals, partially burnt meals did I serve, overcooked, undercooked? Oh, I was so proud of you, though, when you tried to make that key lime pie, uh-huh. and the crust was just like sand in a pan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it looked so pretty until we took the picture of it, and then it fell apart. <laughs> yep. It was like pudding on sand. It was great. <laughs> I didn't know you were supposed to bake it. <laughs> <laughs> We've all been there. Well, I'm there, so. Oh, yeah. But, now, but this it just this last year, all of a sudden... I've just been uh, doing a lot more of my own home cooking and uh, discovering how to keep and uh, just from watching shows and cooking the same types of meat all the time. It's made me more proficient with uh, timing and uh, trusting my intuition. So I no longer am at the point where I have to cut my meat open to know when it's done. Mm -hmm. Oh, and you're good at multitasking. Mm -hmm. I usually cook about three or four things at the same time for dinner. And uh, I uh, have my own... I have a proper uh, knife collection now. I mean, I don't have like the full butcher knife collection, but I have everything. I have most. I have all the uh, homeowner essentials. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, really, you can get away with having like 
one chef's knife and every, you can do almost everything with that. But as if you have a couple of other smaller ones are great and a serrated one and, you know, things like that. But, yeah. I got a couple of paring knives and, uh, I have a vegetable knife, but I love my chef's knife for everything. Mm-hmm. Actually, we have our individual ones. I have, I have my, uh, my Henkels and, and my wife has a, a global, which is a little lighter. Hmm. Yep, I just have my knife blog and my big chef's knife, which means mm-hmm. if I hold it, I look at and Brian comes around to see what I'm doing. I just hold it up and I make him skitter away, terrified. Great, great, great. Yep. Oh, and you have a very, very special accomplishment on here. Yep. And my big accomplishment this year. Uh, oh, I sign exasperation as I look over at the stupidity occurring out of my accomplishment. <laughs> Last year, on June, on January fifth, two of one of my birds laid an egg and then subsequently laid more eggs. One, one of those eggs hatched on January 26th and resulted in a baby bird. Mm-hmm. I uh, wound up taking, I took partial control in the second week because the kid was starting to get dirty and I needed to clean it up a bit. By the third week, yeah, by the end of the second week, kid was strong enough to look over the edge and climb out of the nest. Yeah, out of her little coconut. Yeah. It had like uh, pin feathers and a bit of down coming out. It climbed out of the nest. At that mm. point, it was clear that kid was not going to stay in the bird nest. And I started taking in a bigger role in uh, feeding and uh, cleaning it. Mm-hmm. And at that point, mom pretty much said, fuck it, and left the kid to uh, me and daddy bird. Yeah, daddy was pretty dedicated for a while. Yep. He was dedicated until uh, the, until baby bird had her flight wings. Mm-hmm. And now she's just a big spoiled brat. She's such a brat, but she's perfectly healthy. She's humongous. She's strong. And she's your brat. She's our brat. We raised her from a little nothing. She looked like a teeny tiny little uncooked chicken breast when she was a baby. And we took (laughs) us weeks to figure out what color her feathers were going to be. And we see characteristics physically and uh, and, uh, like... emotionally that resemble both of her parents in certain ways mm-hmm. and she's an absolute spoiled brat who gets her way all the time but <laughs> she's in very good condition and it's really rewarding to have brought up such a tiny delicate harmless little creature yep so our, that's our vet compliments us on her condition which uh-huh. is really nice yeah that's my big accomplishment this year right on well that's amazing and that seems like it was a lot of work a lot of attention it was a lot of love and a lot of delicate, gentle uh, handiwork. Mm-hmm. That was impressive that you did such a good job with her. Thank Amazing. You. Well, me, I've got losing weight as well. I um, was I had a pretty bad diet all year. After you know recovering from uh, our surgeries a year and a half ago or so, we were very sedentary. It was very exhausting just to move sometimes, and we kind of gotten used to not moving around all that much in general, and it's caught up with us. I gained a lot of weight, and so about – Two and a half months ago or three months ago or so, I uh, had a meeting with my doctor and he cautioned me that it's time to lose weight. So since then, I've uh, lost about 23 pounds or so wow. due to exercise and uh, diet. And very much thanks to uh, Bianca's phenomenally good cooking. We cut a lot of snacks out of our diets. No more chips or cheesies or anything like I that. I lost eating weight, apples but instead. I can't actually put a number on it because the problem is I'm building muscle too. Well, yeah, you don't want to weigh yourself either. Me, I, I didn't weigh myself for a while, but I compared, I'm weighing myself now because I figured it's not evaluative. It's just the facts. So I shouldn't be scared of facts. So I've been weighing myself and watching it go up and down a little bit day by day, but on the whole, it's going down, down, down. So I'm very proud of myself for that. 
Yeah, and I think it's funny when you do it day by day. I know, like they say, oh, you're not supposed to do it day by day. But it, I find you kind of know, like you, you're going to realize, oh, this this thing happened yesterday, so I'll be up instead of down. But realistically, I'm still. The, it's more about the trend than about the yeah, exactly. Daily, yeah, yeah. I've been plotting it with Google Fit Fitness, Google Fit, Google Fit, mm-hmm. which gives you a line graph over time. So it's nice to watch that going in the right direction. So I'm proud of that. Absolutely, That's amazing. And that must be, so this must have all happened since, since I saw you last time. So yeah, I haven't seen quite so much of a difference in my face, but I'm down a belt notch and my stamina is so much better now. Just like you said about the exercising and stuff. I, I upped my exercise bike time from 25 to 30 minutes and uh, it does, I, I break a pretty good sweat, but I not exhausted anymore. In general, and that's the thing. Yeah, that's the thing I used to find too. It's it's maybe and maybe it's gross. I used to sweat a lot, mm. and now I don't. Hmm. It's it's very interesting. It's it's interesting, like the the little things that happen. Oh sure, I've still got a ways to go. I'm still you know clinically obese, but I feel so much better, and I'm I'm encouraged that it's going the right way. And I don't see this as just like a diet. I see this as the new norm. So it's I'm going to stick with what we're doing. So I I, I think it's going to be real good. Well, that is amazing. Yeah. Congratulations to everybody. Well, thank you. Yeah, congrats to everybody. And I guess finally, and what better way to end off the podcast, we didn't even get to talk about what we played this week. Well, we're really out of time. Yeah, um, no, we I don't think anyone cares what we played anyway. We're out of time. But um, another great accomplishment this year was this podcast. Mm-hmm. I'm so happy to have, to have started this podcast. I'm very, very proud of it. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. It's I, I, I thank the listeners and the guests and you, Bianca, and uh, – and Chris. Our old co-host Chris, so very much for founding it and for making it what it is. And <laughs> we, uh, well, this has been a stupidly long show. We're going to try our very darndest to make it much more digestible uh, starting next year. Yeah. But we're so, so very humbled and happy to have this awesome community. Yep. And we appreciate you paying attention to us. Yes. And if anyone, and if any of our listeners want to contribute their best of in a, le- in a letter, email, or a, twit- or a tweet, you're uh, welcome to contact us in uh, different ways. Why don't you tell them how they can uh, reach us? Oh, sure. Okay, so I'll quickly say how they can contact us, then we'll give uh, Joe an opportunity to plug his plug, pluggables. Plug, plug. Plug, plug, plug. So you can get us on the web, squarefm.demodulated.com, by email, squarefm at demodulated.com, and on Twitter, we are at squarewavesfm. We're also on uh, iTunes and a bunch of other thingies. And, and Google Music now. Google Play Music. Yeah. They we, they let you upload your podcast, but you can't uh, subscribe to them yet. But I, I'm sure by the end of the year, that'll probably be in place. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Joe, our dear friend and uh, fantastic returning guest, thank you so, so much for coming. It's uh, great to talk to you, as always, in any context. And, oh, uh, it's amazing, yeah. Always amazing. Um, uh, what, what would you like to uh, plug while you've uh, got the ears of our listeners? Well, I've got my, my standard plugs, if you guys like video games from the Dawson Free Windows XP gaming era, PC games from the Dawson Free Windows XP gaming era, you can check out the Upper Memory Block podcast. The next episode, which should be out hopefully next week, will be uh, on uh, ostensibly Indiana Jones and the Fate of Atlantis, but uh, I'll probably talk about some other uh, Indiana Jones games in there as well. I've been playing the crap out of them and putting up some YouTube videos, which uh, have been entertaining. Mm -hmm. And I've being that Star Wars is coming out next Friday, uh, my other podcast, The Star Wars Stacks, is in high gear. We're uh, putting out a, we're going to be recording a show tomorrow about uh, the new novel Battlefront Twilight Company, which is the tie a tie-in novel to the new Star Wars Battlefront game. Uh, tie-in, huh? 
Yeah. <laughs> you can shoot down some of those tie-ins. Right. And then, uh, obviously, next Friday night, we're going to be doing a, uh, a reaction show after uh, the three the three of us on the show see the new movie. And so, yeah, there's going to be a lot of Star Wars this week, and there's going to be a lot of UMB this week. So it's a it's, uh, big podcast weekend and week for me. So hopefully I'll have time to actually do some work at my job. <laughs> Yeah, oh, well, looking forward to all that. Can we assume spoilers, I assume, in your uh, Star Wars stacks next week? Oh, yeah, absolutely. That one's going to be spoilery as hell. So, you know, if you haven't seen the movie, you may not want to uh, listen to that one right off the bat. But, oh, sure, uh, but that'll be the authoritative podcast to listen to after you've seen it. Well, maybe, maybe not. There's some people that know more than us, but, you know, we're just three friends that like to talk about Star Wars. Oh, cool. That's great. Mm-hmm. All right. And uh, how can people get in touch with you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at BillyBob476 or for the Upper Memory Block at UMB Show, right? Sorry, that's the only one that's different. Right. Because <laughs> everything else is UMB cast. And uh, yeah, that's that, that's good. You can find me on Facebook, all kinds of other stuff like that. Right on. Yep. All right. Well, always a, a terrific, great pleasure. Thank you so, so much for joining us again. Uh, well, Joe. thanks for having me and congrats on, you know, the... Uh, the show and you know i remember i still remember episode one and being super excited that you guys were talking about stuff that was right up my alley and uh, you continue to do so oh well thank you very much you were a great contributor with your voicemails and stuff too you've got many uh, uh, an entertaining tale so it's always a pleasure to uh ring those out of you Woo-hoo. Woo-hoo. all right thanks a million very happy new year and happy holidays to each and every one of you we'll be back i guess the first or second weekend of uh, uh january however that works We love you to pieces. We'd love to hear from you. And uh, have a nice, safe, happy holiday. All right. Bye-bye, everybody. Bye. Take care. Bye.